What is up, you guys? It is Dollar Cost Crypto here with Fake Business, man. <laughs> what is up, you guys? Woo! Crypto Mindset Quarter 2 goes live basically in like two days, man. Uh, can you share the screen for one second? Boom. April 21st, it goes live, you guys. This Friday, we go live. We're going to be on Fresh and Fit. We're going to be on a bunch of channels this time, but... Definitely leave your, your best email address you can right here, man, because this thing is going live real, real soon, you guys. Um, this is it, man. A minute to midnight. We're here. Or I should say two minutes to midnight. <laughs> we're here, you guys. Uh, this is going to be a crazy course. We're, gonna, we're seriously going to take some nice profits, going to make good money on some coins and stuff. There's brand new coins that I've just started barely investing myself into as well and stuff and just all types of things that we're kind of looking in the market at and stuff like that. So leave your best email address here and stuff. And um, yeah, man, thank you so much. Boom. But uh, what is going on, you guys? I mean, lots of shit happened today. Woo! That hoodie is fire, son. Thank you, sir, man. Yes, it is, man. Peaches, 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 peaches. <laughs> I got the blue right here, man. There you go. But for people who have been asking me for a while now, look at that. I finally brought it in, man. The line ring is here. Oh, there we go. We got the line ring live in studio along with, align with the red pill lines cologne. <laughs> 
Yeah, shout out to the boys at the Red, at the, at the Red Pill Lions, man. They got the Lion Frame. There you go, the Lion Frame cologne, man. Let's see how this smells like. Mm, it's pretty masculine. I would say like a, it, was, it smells like a forest with a, a forest aftershave. <laughs> pretty cool, man. Shout, yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Rocky and the guys, man. Uh, thanks for the Lion Frame, bro. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but. Hex is down to six cents. Oh no, the markets are over. Everyone's crying. Zen is pumping. What are we going to do? Fake business is what we're going to do. <laughs> so uh, today I'll be reacting to one of my favorite streams. I've watched this thing so many times. I love it. It just makes me laugh all the time. Um, Tim Dillon is like one of my favorite comedians. And um, he, 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 has like a, he has a really interesting sort of history where Tim Dillon basically started as a real estate broker back in the day. And he, of course, he's a comedian, so he makes all types of jokes about it, but he actually is pretty financial literate and a lot of stuff, and he knows crypto a little bit. So the, the, the kind of tangents they go off on, on crypto and real estate and the last bull market is incredible. This video is about a year old, but damn, it's good. Like, damn, it's good and stuff. So without further ado, man, uh, full screen me and let's go, man. Welcome to Fake Business with Tim Dillon. My dad's really good friends with Steve Jordan. We used to go there a lot. I like a place called South Shore Fish, okay. which is another what, fish is spot in, in Island Park. You, you could eat there? Yeah. Okay. South Shore Fish, is, it's called Artie's. Uh, that's like the best. Are you a pescatarian? No. You look like one. Pescatarian. Yeah, I'm a pescatarian. <laughs> I do eat a lot of fish, though. I, the majority of what I eat, I think I eat a lot of fish. I think Island Park is like three square blocks. Small. It's like tiny. Small. I listened to the conference call for Facebook, and this analyst, he's a good guy. This guy They're getting beaten up. Oh. So these two guys right here, they run a show called um, The Compound and stuff, Compound and Friends, cool dudes and stuff like that. They're starting to warm up to crypto. Obviously, this is about a year ago, so we're talking about the market's starting to head down a little bit. Now, um, the market's still not over, but it's like it's getting close. It's getting, it's getting close there and stuff like that. And um, it is a pretty interesting sort of thing that's going on right now. Let me uh, take care of one little thing real quick. Family close Telegram. There we go. Screw those guys. Anyway, <laughs> my ex alerts. But these guys, these guys have been in the equities market for a long time and stuff like that. And um, the guy in the white here, interestingly enough, he actually came up right around the time of Oak Strandmont and stuff. For you guys who saw the Wolf of Wall Street, he was working with a lot of the guys who used to work for Jordan Belfort. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to all my Staten Island boys and stuff like that. So um, yeah, man, uh, full screaming, let's go. Oh, dude, I love it. There's a Thanos. There's a, there's a Thanos figurine on the table. <laughs> dude, this guy Mark Mahaney comes on the you know the part of, on the conference yeah. call where the analysts are like allowed to ask questions, right? So he goes, "This is in the midst of the stock down twenty five percent, like in free fall." His question is. What kind of progress are you guys making on ESG? Like, right. how many women do you have on your board or whatever? And I, I start hysterically laughing on the train. Oh, this yeah. is a company that's literally overturning governments. Right. Um, but uh, socially, they're doing it. Oh, sustainably. They're doing sustain it sustainably. They're sustainably fomenting uh, uh, coups. And like you think about like all of the things that they're trying to do. Right. Which is get you addicted to this dopamine hit. Yeah. And just keep plugging into it. This dystopian nightmare they're but ushering in. But are you ESG? Like, but are you ESG? <laughs> yeah. That's what it comes.
And and this what ends up happening with large corporations is that instead of just hiring based off of merit and stuff like that and like who's best for the job, they're like they have quotas. We need a certain amount of women or we need a certain amount of diversity and stuff like that. It's a bit much sometimes. Um, but yeah, but uh, instead of asking the real questions like why are you overturning countries and stuff like that? Why are you doing this or this or this? Like no. Uh, we need to know that there's a certain amount of people on the board. Like how uh, when how many trans people work at the company? So if this is the important thing. Hello. Comes down to are you ESJ? So you guys have a wealth management company. Yeah. And you deal with clients. Yeah. Is it would it be considered like a hedge fund or would it is not really a hedge no, fund? No, no, no. We're no. doing the opposite. We're okay. like financial planning first, which is basically helping people figure out what they want to do with their money. Yeah. When. What right. are the tax ramifications? How much do you want to leave? I met with a dude at Goldman who, a friend, she's like a sort of comedian. You know her, Haley, Haley Sachs. Oh, at, not at Goldman. Mrs. Dow Jones. Yeah. No, not, she, she's not. Right, but right. her dad is. Okay, yeah. Her dad's like a big wealth management guy yeah, yeah. at Goldman. I love Haley. So I just want to stop this for one second. So look, look at this right now already. Like if you actually listen to a lot of comedians, they're pretty bad with money. <laughs> and they don't know anything about investments and stuff. And this guy's already talking and pretty already. I mean, just off of that already, you could tell he actually is pretty financially illiterate. Uh, all jokes aside and stuff like that. But um, I think comedians sometimes can really understand sort of like the meme culture and stuff. I think a lot of people when they come into crypto, they have a large, they, they don't get it, right? And one thing that I feel like these guys get is that a lot of the times the reason people are in something is because they're just trying to get rich. Not that like they like the underlying technology and all this other stuff. So it's interesting to get the perspective. And on top of that, this guy, these guys have seen the real scammy side of both real estate, stocks and everything, hedge funds, and um, and see what's really going on. We had a breakfast at the Mark and he was talking to me about, you know, and, and I make a real good amount of money, but I, I think like, you know, those guys, like to them, it's like, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like, usually it's like 10 million to just kind of get in. I'm like, oh, no, this is. Yeah, because they're well, this is not. They're doing because they're doing like, like sovereign wealth. Yeah, I was like, I appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for yeah. the yeah. ex Benedict. But I'm like, we're not there. So so what's funny about Haley Sachs's dad. Yeah. Working at Goldman Sachs. Yeah. The names are spelled differently. But it's hilarious. But it didn't hurt him. But it, but it doesn't. I don't know his name. Let's right, say, Haley, if you're listening, I love you. Let's say it's Henry Sachs of right. Goldman Sachs. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, okay. He was a nice guy, but yeah. Um. So basically, wealth management is like making sure that people are invested in such a way that it actually correlates to the life they want to live. Right. Versus a hedge fund is like the S and P is going to go up ten percent. I'm going to try to do fifteen. Gotcha. For right, and that's a really interesting distinction and stuff like that. Is like yeah, like the wealth, like wealth, like kind of these sovereign wealth funds or sort of the, like these, um, the, the, there's more like lifestyle investment and sort of making sure that you upkeep or you're trying to build yourself to something, to a certain lifestyle versus like we're, we're trying to swing for the fucking fences with most hedge funds and stuff like that. And I think that like a lot of, most hedge funds are built like that, but there is some hedge funds where um, they're kind of a hybrid in between and stuff like that. But it is interesting to hear the distinction of that. Regular people. That or it's going to go down 10 and we're going to try and be down nine. Gonna, right. We're going to force. Or we're going to try to make money on the way down and the way up, which right. doesn't really work. But uh, that's the hedge fund. That's the hedge fund biz. Because shorting's retarded. <laughs> Let me tell you this right now. Shorting is really dumb. Most people can't do it right. And, like, most people who say that they're making a ton of money and stuff are not really, like, making – they have to put up a ton of money to do so. Like, to make a mil- – like, th- there's a couple of guys recently that have talked about shorting and stuff. I think it's – like, you can make money. 
stuff like that, but it takes a dramatic move. It's more likely to make you profit probably in crypto than in equities because in equities you have to use a lot of leverage in order to really make some substantial money. But um, I mean, you have to put up a million, no leverage, and then it goes down 50% and then you actually make some money and stuff. But then like, you know, you could, these things scam pump back up or something and then you can lose money and stuff and you can give up profit. So it's, it's a huge, it's a huge clusterfuck, man. If you're going to do anything, I'd rather long than short, but eh, stay away from that. We're more like regular people. What are they actually trying to pay for in the future? Right. How much will it cost them? So your thing is like, it's like, if you don't have any balls, yeah, get in, you know, <laughs> if you just have no, well, it's, so that depends like on the client. I like gambling. Yeah. I like a good gamble. Well, I did that for 10 years. I did. Okay. Uh, you and I, I was telling <laughs> some people say I do it currently. Somebody yeah. here, you and I have a very similar origin. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, but I started in the Long Island brokerage firms. Wow. Which was catering to gamblers, basically. That's right. You would cold call business owners. All day. It w- you would make 500 phone calls, 50 people. Would- now, I, now, I need you guys to hear this right now. This Speak to you. Th- this is really important right here, what, what they're talking about of how they funnel people in and how like the, the game used to be different and stuff. It's, it's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty insane, like, the, the amount of calls. Like, you've seen in all the Wall Street movies, like, they're calling people after people. I mean, it's like 500 phone calls and stuff, but they funnel you into, and then basically, like, they, they end up hitting people that are doing really, they're doing really well in middle America, and these guys are just like, wow, these big Wall Street guys are hitting me up and stuff. I definitely have to do it and stuff. So, um, and this is even, for, I mean, it's, 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 it's shocking, actually, and stuff. So, definitely, man. <laughs> Shout out to CryptoCon, man. What is this? $20 super chat. Just wanted to convince my sins to hex Jesus. I had a six month winner here in I don't know where. Affected my work, which has affected me buying hex. Thanks to you clearing the skies and helping me buy hex again, washing my sins away. Thank God. Padre- Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. There you go. Padre, Hijo, Espíritu Santo, amen. And then may you live peacefully with the Mormons. <laughs> Sheesh. And of those 50, 10 of them would actually let you speak. Five of them would be qualified of the owners, Ow. which was catering to gamblers, basically. That's right. You would cold call business owners. All day. It w- you would make 500 phone calls. 50 people would speak to you. And of those 50, 10 of them would actually let you speak. Five of them would be qualified to actually invest with you. So 500 people, they call 500 people. 50, 50 would talk to them. 10 would be more or less like possibly like possibly like they're interested and then five of them would actually be qualified to actually use so like we're talking about like one percent or even less dang but they weren't really looking for investments they were looking for what's the next stock that's going to go up you know 50 percent. did you start when like stratton oakmont was i was right after all of that wow okay so i worked for guys that worked there okay um but they were trying to clean up their act but the thing is the business is just not that good of a business if you're doing it the right way which only took me, I'm smart, right. so it only took me 10 years to figure that out. Cold calling business owners is tough. Well, now you can't do it. But yeah. back then, people were excited to hear from Now brokers. you can't do it at all. Who's, who answers the phone? Right. Was That's a good point. What was the last time your phone rang, you didn't know the number, and you were like, Well, oh, before TD Ameritrade, I like, hey. I always answer because I like oh, to have yeah, fun, yeah. but... Before TD Ameritrade, like that's how people bought stocks. See, that's I, right. They, if you they were sold. Picture this. Like, I started when I was in college. I started... Uh, I started working for a guy who I think he was making a hundred grand a month. He, his job before this was a bouncer. <laughs> Dude, a hundred thousand dollars a month. Even today is incredible money. Like it's insane cash. So this guy went from a bouncer to making a hundred thousand dollars a month. And 
damn, dude, you know how much money that, that bro, that's like eighties money too. Like that's that's like that's like making like seven hundred thousand a million dollars a month today. Jesus Christ, man. Right. Okay. So my dad plays golf with his dad. I don't know what to do with my summer after freshman year. So he's like, go work for this guy's son. He's making fucking six figures a month. So the assumption is like, all right, so this has to be legit, right? How can you make that much money? And right. they're all wearing suits, like right. dressed to the nines. Yeah. And the office is on Third Avenue, uh, like top floor, and everything looks – it looks like you would picture Goldman Sachs would look. Right. But the difference is – well, a lot of differences. But so they say, all right, here's a stack of business owners on index cards. Spend the whole day calling them. Find somebody that wants to talk to me. So, you know what – so yeah. So you do that. And then this guy calls that person back the next day. Now, I, I want to make a little distinction right here. It says, like, there's differences between Goldman Sachs and these guys, right? Eh, eh. <laughs> I don't know about all that, Chief, right? But, I, but here's the thing. At the end, the whole business is based off of gambling in terms of, like, these, 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 these Oakmont sort of, like, 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 basically businesses, right? These, these runoffs. Of like Wolf of Wall Street runoffs, right? But then you actually have the other side, which is like which is Goldman Sachs, and they actually have like a wealth building department. So you have more of like like what you think like safe investments and stuff like that. But then at the highest levels, they're gambling. So basically, what what it really is is like the other businesses doesn't really have like the the normie side of the business, and then they only have like the degen side, and then that's where they're shitting on them. But if you actually look at the top of Goldman, they're also doing very degenerate things as well and stuff at the top end of the business as well and stuff. So basically the guys trying to get rich, doing degenerate shit, guys at the top doing degenerate shit, trying to get even richer. And then people in the middle there, you know, just maintaining wealth and, and growing it slowly and stuff. So it's kind of, it's almost like the bell curve. You got the dumb guys trying to get rich. You got the rich guys trying to get richer on this, on the other side of the bell curve. And you got the guys in the middle, just basically trying to maintain and just slowly grow it. Day, and that person's excited because it's a guy that owns like an industrial facility in Indiana. Right. Somebody from Wall Street is calling. Right. It's it's exciting. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And now, obviously, it sounds ridiculous in today's context, but that was a business. My when I started mortgages, the guy and that's not that ridiculous actually. So because some of these, especially if they're working in commodities and stuff, like if they're like, wow, these Wall Street guys, like sometimes like these these commodity players, the way they end up uh, really protecting themselves from volatility and stuff, they end up they end up are playing the market against their own commodity. So like just in case they make a big order and stuff, they 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 sh they have shorts up just in case the market takes a shit and they protect their ass and stuff and they basically have the money to keep funding their business and stuff. So these um, high level commodity players and stuff like that in, in the industrials, they are playing the market at the high level and stuff. And this is where some of the money for commodities is really coming from. Is like it's hedging. It's a lot of hedging. Like McDonald's hedges their potato prices. It's insane. <laughs> like, like literally every business, every major business that has to do with like when they're real, they're buying. Billions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars of like of commodities and stuff. They are hedging themselves. Fake businesses, you guys. Fake business. Tim Dillon is calling. Right. It's it's exciting. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And now, obviously, it sounds ridiculous in today's context, but that was a business. My when I started mortgages, the guy that owned the company told me, brought me in his office, and he goes, listen, he was 24, he was probably making 100 grand a month, and he said, I was an ecstasy dealer. My <laughs> lawyer told me, I can't get you out of this if you get caught again. Okay. He goes, you gotta do something else. So he goes, I do this now. 
And that was the beginning of my career. Right. And I was just like sitting there. It was like a motivational speech, Oligary V or whatever. And he goes, I knew that I couldn't sell ecstasy anymore right. because I would go to jail for a very long time. Yeah. So now I sell mortgages. So there was a place right by the Atlanta. <laughs> that's a lateral. That's a lateral move right there, man. You know, I can't. I just can't sell drugs anymore. So instead, I'm going to swindle people into bad mortgages. You guys, this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> I love Tim. Tim Dillon is so good at ripping into Gary Vee. I, I love Gary Vee too, but damn, he's so good at like, like rugging it, bro. It's hilarious. <laughs> of my career, right. and I was just like sitting there. It was like a motivational speech, Oligary V or whatever. And he goes, "I knew that I couldn't sell ecstasy anymore right. because I would go to jail for a very long time." Yeah. So now I sell mortgages. So there was a place right by the Atlantic Beach Bridge. There was a parking lot where there yeah. was mortgage brokers, and there was a bunch of idiots driving Porsches in like 2005. That was every port, yeah. uh, parking lot in yeah. Long Island. Yeah. yeah. So that, it's so funny that you say that. Long Island has the same. Uh, archetype, like this young man yeah, in his 20s. Fit, like us. Lightly educated. Lightly educated is a great term. Lightly educated, meaning like yeah. maybe a little bit of Nassau community. A little college. A little bit, but not in too much. Out. Not too much. And then what happens is their their older brother or the guy down the street or the person that their dad plays golf with their son, whatever, Brings them into like, hey, what what are you doing right now? Oh, I'm just bartending. I don't really know yet. Right. Tell you what, put on a suit, come interview. So in the '90s, that's stock brokerage. That's the shit that I. That's learned. right. After the dot com bubble blew up in 2000, interest rates went to zero, one one percent, wherever they dropped them to, and all of a sudden there's a mortgage boom. That same young man, his younger brother, is a mortgage goes broker. to the same office building in Woodbury. Or the Jericho Quadrangle or yeah, whatever. the Huntington Quadrangle. The Hunt Huntington. All right, goes to the same building. The broker's cars are all gone, but it's all mortgage broker's cars. Same right. cars. It's Porsches. Yep. The same aggressive Long Island attitude, yep. tactics, call the whole country. What do you mean we only talk to people a mile away? Right. I'm doing mortgages in Hawaii. F*** you. Right. right. That whole thing, the mortgage bubble blows up, bursts, 2007, eight. you have a financial crisis. In the wake of that, what does everyone need? Small business loans. It's the same person. What is so what he's saying right there is that these grifters, all they do is just rotate to the next scam. So they went from they went from Oat and Strackmont selling you like these like these scratcher ticket like microcap stocks and stuff. And then as soon as like the two thousand the two thousand tech bubble exploded, right? Boom. They went off and they all migrated into basically selling subprime mortgages and basically bad um Bad mortgages, basically, and adjustable rate mortgages. It's really mostly adjustable rate mortgages and some some subprime, but the subprime is what blew up, but legitimately was mostly adjustable rate mortgages, which I fucking warn you guys about. Like, always get a, doesn't matter, 15, 20, 30 year, 40 year, 40 years is a little ridiculous, but 40 year fixed mortgage, but just make sure it's fixed so you know what you, if you can handle that payment, you're not in trouble and stuff like that. This is where people always get into trouble is this this adjustable rate mortgage shit, dude. I'm telling you. And, you know, it's going to be 0% forever and now we're at 4.75 and we're heading to 5.5% in the next three months. Oof, bros. Oof. There's more pain coming in the real estate market. But then they, then you notice at the tail end right there, he said, and then they roll and then they go up to small business loans. What happened during the shutdowns 
small business loans. So we had, like, remember what I was teaching you guys beforehand with the Fed printing all this money? Like, all this inflation, all it's because everybody got um, $1,200 in, in stimulus checks, and that that's not really what caused the inflation. What caused the inflation was all the small businesses getting getting these fucking bullshit loans. There's so many there's so many businesses got a couple hundred thousand dollars for nothing and basically didn't have to pay it back. But then there was a secondary loans they gave out where you did have to pay back, and people took out millions. This is where all the money came in to gamble in the stock market and crypto, and all these equities, those small business loans. Even the Lakers were taking out twelve million dollars in loans, and then everyone's like, whoa, 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 Lakers. Dude, this is for small businesses. Oh yeah, 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 you're right. And they gave the money back. Even the fucking Lakers were take the Lakers were taking money. They just gave it back because they got caught last second and stuff like that. So this it you see tech stock grift, real estate grift, PPPV or whatever the fuck they're called. Grift. If these guys start selling crypto, bros, I'm, we we out, bros. <laughs> like, all right, you guys, this is the, this is the last cycle, you guys. Um Whew, this is gonna be a hot one, you guys. Hot boy summer, man. Hot boy crypto summer. But it's it's insane. So it's like it's these same these Staten Island boys are the ones fucking up the world. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna play that back just to hear that explanation. But that was incredible because like I think few people understand because these guys just migrate to the next grift and then they're just you know it's it's like instead of selling real estate in your local area, we're selling real estate in Hawaii. <laughs> cars, same right. cars, it's Porsches. Yep. The same aggressive Long Island attitude, yeah. tactics, call the whole country. What do you mean we only talk to people a mile away? Right. I'm doing mortgages in Hawaii. F*** you. Right. right. That whole thing, the mortgage bubble blows up, bursts, 2007, eight. you have a financial crisis. In the wake of that, what does everyone need? Small business loans. It's the same person. What are, the they doing, what are they doing now? That's what they're doing. Still small business It's so loans. sick. They're doing high interest. It's like legal loan sharks. It's, wow. It's worse than loan sharks. At Why? Least, because at least like a loan shark will break your legs, not literally put your whole life out of business. Right. Like, so now that what they're doing is like call up a guy that owns a diner. Yeah. And, and basically like all of the, his personal assets get securitized. You make him a loan that you know he can't pay back. But he'll pay. So, so remember how I told you how Warren Buffett borrows money on stuff and everything like that on stocks? Well, these guys are now grifting, grifting small business. It's always the small business owners or just people that are like financially literate that they they're like, hey, no, we'll lend you this money and stuff. Just roll up your whole company, your whole real estate and stuff. I know you, I know you got your property paid off and stuff like, that, and we'll give you a nice loan, tax free. You want to be like Warren Buffett, right? Yeah, I want to be like Warren Buffett. But they set all these fucking horrible terms on these things. And then from there, they know, like, these, these fucking vultures, they know these guys can't pay the money back. So basically what they're doing is they're legally stealing. They're basically robbing them blind legally. Well, he signed on the dotted line. This, this fucking idiot in two years. Like, ten, nine out of ten of these idiots won't be able to pay the loan back anyway. And so, so basically what they're doing is that they're going to steal all this property and everything from them. Business. Oh, the business. Who cares? We got the real estate property. We got whatever interest we got off of that, and we got our money back because we we it's 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 it's, it's evil shit, man. There's like like the vultures of vultures right here. Up a guy that owns a diner. Yeah, and and basically loan sharks. It's, wow, it's worse than loan sharks. At Why? least because at least like a loan shark will break your legs, not <laughs> literally put your whole life out of business. Right. Like, so now that what they're doing is like call up a guy that owns a diner. Yeah. And, and basically like all of the, his personal assets get securitized. You make him a loan that you know he can't pay back, but he'll pay the juice for two years trying. Mm. Wow. It's like, like an 
uh, loan, like a, basically a credit card loan. And then after two years, it's like, all right, sorry, things didn't work out. But it's a cold calling mill. So they're always finding There's new desperate people. There's something about Long Island that just for whatever reason, and it, it shares a lot of similarities with Orange County, California, which is the, you know, the southern uh, county in California, south of L.A. Yeah. It's deeply, you know, conservative. Uh, it, it's uh, where subprime mortgages start. Now, I, I will pause this right here because, like, Fallout Zone had a great—they do the research before they go after somebody. Definitely they do. They, they, they specifically target where they're going. Like, where is wealth? Where can we steal wealth from? Where is there still wealth from? This happened right around, right around the 2000, the tech boom, right? When that popped in 2001, boom, off of, like, a 9-11, basically. 9-11 is what, like, really clicked it off and it was over, basically, right? Uh, when that happened— there is all these reports of all these, all the major banks, Citibank, Bank of America, they all did these, there, there's like, there's these, when you're very, very, very rich in these banks, um, what they do is they, they have these kind of plutarian, um, like I would almost call it like um, these high level like research and stuff. And they go look around in the country wh where there's wealth and they figured out, well, Americans just got wrecked on the equities market and stuff. Where do they have money still? Oh, these guys, a lot of these guys have a ton of money in equity in their houses. People have paid off houses. People have like a lot of equity in homes and stuff. Let's let's try to drain these guys here. So they went from that to that. Then from there, it's like, oh, fuck. Well, these guys are all drained out now. Let's print a bunch of money and then pump up the, the, the equities market again. And then we drain them again. I don't think they were really expecting crypto. And crypto is kind of like this one little weird wrench in the system there. Because it's it's kind of a weird capital class that's just joined up and stuff. It's It's really interesting. But they're trying to control it regardless right now but because of the because of the limited supply it's it's tough basically right it's insane and then on top of that like people like hb now we joke around i think rollo talks about this and shout out to rollo i'll be having rollo on my stream and we'll be on his we'll be simulcasting on streams here in sticky paws at on thursday at 11 30 in the morning we'll be doing a really cool uh we were gonna have cappy in here but he's somewhere he lost in the mountains r.i.p but uh <laughs> Shout out to shout out to Aaron Clary, but um, um, these these like people like HBC, right? They specifically tar during the housing crisis, they specifically targeted elderly black people, black citizens. They looked up which ones had which ones had their properties paid off, which ones were almost done, and they went and targeted elderly African Americans. And in, in those in those reports, they basically said like, the, the, and they 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 got sued. They they had to pay a couple billion dollars back for um, in terms of fees and stuff for doing this. But in the in those reports, the own people at HBC were basically saying it's so easy. These dumb mud people will sign anything we put in front of them. These are these fucking pieces of shit right here that that like do this kind of crap, evil shit. Now, this is the joke that, like, what Rolo was saying and stuff, like, um, there was a report by, I think, Wells Fargo made a report that basically one of the best, some of the best asset classes to invest in would probably be box wine and um, chewy toys <laughs> for dogs and cats because there's, a, there's, a, there's actually a significant amount of, um, of single women in America and stuff, and that's going to continue. Basically, um, if someone doesn't get their pair in the next 10 millennial women, if they, if, if they don't get, find someone to settle down with in the next 15 years, basically there's going to be a, a very large amount of a, of a population where they're going to be able to milk them forever. Antidepressant pills, box wine, chew toys, catnip, 
I mean, it's ridiculous. Basically, buy buy pet stocks. <laughs> You're gonna do pretty well over this next decade. But it, but it's just looking at the. I mean, they're just looking for pockets of where where's money so they can like take it. But I digress. And also, it's stuff since we're like, and then we, we see a huge, there's a huge, so same thing with the crypto space, but we're in the crypto space together and we're like, these dumb fucks are printing so much money, we're going to take all that money. <laughs> so we're buying all these coins now and they're cheap and they're just funneling cash to us and allowing us to rise above in the Citadel and stuff like that. So link below. Wow. It's like, like an 18% uh, loan, like a, basically a credit card loan. And then after two years, it's like, all right, sorry, things didn't work out. But it's a cold calling mill, so they're always finding There's new desperate people. There's something about Long Island that just, for whatever reason, and it, it shares a lot of similarities with Orange County, California, which is the you know the southern uh, county in California, south of L.A. Yeah, it's deeply you know conservative. Uh, it, it's uh, where subprime mortgages started. They started in Irvine, California, uh, with a company called Countrywide, which became the biggest Sheesh. lender, Blue you chip. know, of of Blue, that. Blue chip mortgage lender. Yeah, blue chip mortgage lender. And they started in Irvine, California. And Irvine is very similar to Long Island, where it's a lot of nondescript office buildings on the side of a highway. And there's just a lot of young dudes that are willing to put on a tie yeah. and and try to— you know, better themselves in, in whatever way they can. So the sick thing is that my parents were like proud of me. Yeah. And so I have a job where I wear a, t a shirt and tie. That's right. And after like not knowing. Now I'll let them talk right now in a minute and stuff because it's my fucking show. But <laughs> but this, this is some real shit he's about to talk about where like there is a lot of pressures of why you want to do. Because it's a lot of these people are just people who want to make some money and stuff like that but it's these evil people at the top that put the system and the thing is there's a lot of these guys who just don't want to be normal and they're willing to do kind of gray market stuff and then after a while after doing so much gray they end up doing going into the black instead of going into the into the light basically and you have this whole thing where like it's all about perception a lot of, the reason a lot of parents want you to go to school is because so they could say you went to school Oh, my, my daughter's going to Harvard. My daughter's going to UCLA, um, UC Irvine. Oh, my God. He's going to, you know, um, UL, ULV or whatever the fuck, you know, uh, Texas A&M and stuff. He's playing football, right? It, it's all about, like, for a lot of parents, it's not about the education or the money of the child. It's about my child is better than your dog shit child. Oh, it sucks you didn't raise your child that great. <laughs> but Cindy's doing awesome. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, that's really what it really what it is. And then on top of that, there's a pressure as a child. Like, I've talked about this before. I had such a pressure to go to college. Oh, my God. I I felt like I was – I remember being, like, 20 years old, leaf blower strapped to my back. <laughs> LOL. Um, and, like, I fucking just out of nowhere just started crying because I was like, I was like, I'm a fucking failure. I'm a loser and stuff. Like, I've let my parents down, you know. Like, I'm not going to go to college and stuff, and I'm going to be, like, a fucking deadbeat motherfucker. Damn. I'm a failure now. Like – all the effort and all the effort my parents put into me is now down the drain and stuff. I'm just going to be some fucking nine to five loser. And uh, and th and that is the pressure that's put on children by parents and stuff. Not intentionally because the parents do want the best for their child, but a lot of the time it really is because of like what they can say and stuff like that. You know, so just is it is. Yeah, don't get into the dark arts, definitely, man. But this this all but all this stuff about like there's all these men and stuff like that like they're, so they they essentially just hijack these men put them into like lure them in with money and then from there just their morals get decayed over time little coke little cookers and stuff and then boom tragedy 
California and Irvine is very similar to Long Island where it's a lot of nondescript office buildings on the side of a highway and there's just a lot of young dudes that are willing to put on a tie yes. and and try to you know better themselves in in whatever way they can. So the sick thing is that my parents were like proud of me. Yeah. And so I have a job where I wear a, t a shirt and tie. That's right. After like not knowing what the hell I wanted to do. Right. And I actually can read. So like I have a leg up on a lot of the other people. Oh, that are yeah. So then then the, the, they're like grooming me to like be a manager. Right. Which if you don't own the firm, basically the manager doesn't ha actually have any power, but he's somebody that could be pointed to when things go wrong. Right. So I'm being groomed for that. Get a little maybe paid on volume bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you're like the most trustworthy pirate on the yes. pirate ship, yeah. basically. So, but people in your real life, they're like, what do you do? Oh, I do stocks. Like I do, right. I do investments. So, yeah. oh, wow. It's, like, it's no, a big it's, deal. It's not, oh, wow. It's a big deal to have a, a, a business card yeah. and hand it to people that says loan specialist, right. loan consultant, right. terms that are blatantly fake. Yeah. That have no, <laughs> Were you a loan consultant? I was, I was a lot of things. I was a loan specialist. Cryptocurrency educator. <laughs> Specialist and loan consultant. Right. We would say, I, I would say I'm an expert in residential finance. Um, <laughs> yeah, we would go through the, we'd run the gamut of things that right. I was. I was a uh, account executive. Right. For that's a little the, while that's there. the first thing that you started. A few months I was an account executive, but then I moved pretty quickly up to, uh, you know, specialist. I think what all these people share in common is Nassau Community College. We all went, I went yeah. to Nassau Community College. I, I met. The, no. the guy that got no. me Loser. into mortgages was my debate partner. I, I will say this though: it, like I've been doing crypto now for such a long time that, like, for the longest time, I would just make up what I like. What do you do for a living now? Um, um, um. I, I mean, I I would just like, oh, I'm just doing landscape. I do construction, or just like I wouldn't even tell people. I do, like, it, it, and now like I tell like now I don't care. Like I just say what I do. Like oh, I just I do cryptocurrency. It's like, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, things are tough right now, but you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm a cryptocurrency analyst specialist and stuff like that, you know, in the space and stuff. <laughs> on the, I was on the debate, debate team partner. at NASA Community College. You had like a little debate team. And I was on the debate team and I was really good at it. And he goes, hey, you should do mortgages because yeah. you had a Range Rover. And I said, I want a Range Rover. And That's he goes, right. yeah, I'm a mortgage guy. He goes, you're really good at talking. You should do this. Yeah. So, so I just came in and. So, when you, so you were doing this at the height of the mortgage bubble too. Like people yeah. wanted to talk to you. I started in 2000, part-time 2004 or five. Perfect. And like this is, dude, I'm pausing so much because there's so much sauce and all this stuff. It's just like this inner game stuff on finance and money and stuff. But it's true when the markets are really hot, everyone and their mom wants to talk to you. Like right now, this is why me and Charlie work so hard to talk to you guys right now because it's not hot to talk about crypto. Even right now, maybe barely someone's, op they're barely opening their eye a little bit. Eh, Ethereum's done a little something. Bitcoin's not, eh, eh. But it's 30000 now and stuff, uh, uh, I guess. Uh, but you know, we were banging the war drums now to get you guys in now to make the money now. Versus later on, they're just banging. like the, we, we don't even bang the drum and shit. They're banging the drum for us. They're trying to break the doors down. Please, please tell us what to buy and stuff like that. So, you know, shout out to you guys. All, all 160 of you guys live in the chat right now. Shout out to you guys. You guys are going to make it, man. In 2000, part-time 2004 or 5. Perfect. And I was in school. I dropped out of school. And then I rode the wave. I did well. I never made insane, crazy money. Um, but 
I rode the wave up until, I mean, I was there for the entire disintegration yeah. of that sector of the economy. And yeah. I watched it kind of, and that was the, a better education than college, in my opinion. Yeah. Seeing guys go from making $50,000 a month to delivering pizza. Yeah. Damn. That was a crazy mind fuck, if I can and say even that. On, but even on, the way, even on the way up, like, I knew guys that were laying carpet. Right. And then a year later, they were literally making six figures. It's crazy. Um, doing mortgages. And it's right. like, do you... Yeah. What do you even know about mortgages? He's, I don't know anything about mortgages. I know how to get people to sign paperwork. That's right. Woo. They'd be amazing army recruiters. <laughs> Yo, a lot of those guys that were in, no, no, I'm being for real, you guys. You think I'm joking around. A lot of the guys who left the uh, real estate industry, because I've I talked to some of these recruiters, they used to, some of the best army recruiters are, were originally real estate or real estate guys during the 2008 boom and stuff. These guys just went to hustle kids from high school into signing on the dotted line. <laughs> Hit a Pepe on that. That was incredible. And these guys, I mean, this is why we say, I mean, this one of one most important skills is sales and stuff, but um, sales with morality a little bit, you know what I'm trying to say? Like it, it's, it's kind of, it, it is, it is that, uh, it is that sort of thing and stuff. But uh, I know they're kind of, they're kind of amping it up the jokiness of it and stuff, but it's very true. Like it's a lot of people just had them transition into this whole thing. A lot of, there's a lot of guys that came into the 21 cycle and stuff of crypto were full on crypto guys, experts, NFT guys and everything. And they all fucked off. Where are they at now? Lion frame, you guys. <laughs> Rugged by the army and stuff. Do you want? Do you want a Dodge Charger RT Scat Pack? Sign on the dotted line, Mister. Where do I sign? Right here. Shink. <laughs> Got your ass now. Where's my card? Get on the bus, soldier. Done, dude. <laughs> these corporate, these recruiters, these army recruiters are insane, man. Just shout out to the boys. Uh, I think they're. I think. I think if I remember correctly, they're making five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars per person they sign up to the military. If I remember correctly, I think that's how much they make on your ass, <laughs> selling you into the worst boot camp of your life. <laughs> but crypto mindset quarter two, you guys, <laughs> sign up today. Links in the description box below. Don't be poor. Sign up now because later on, man, I'm telling you, man, sheesh, man, you guys are gonna remember like me because. When the courses are small right now, you guys are really going to remember. Like we, we, we're always going to take time to take care of our guys and stuff. But we, we, remember, crypto ages like wine. Today's price is not tomorrow's price. You want to buy Bitcoin under thirty three thousand. You want to buy Ethereum under under um, under twenty three hundred. You want to buy Hex under you know hopefully ten cents. But twenty one cents for your. You want to pack your most of your bags now, on the major shit, locked and load. Boom, got it in. Then from there. We're like snipers for the rest of the year, for the next two years. Pop, 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 taking shots on some coins, trying to get these fucking 30, 40, 50, 100 bangers. Whew. All we drink, all we drink is fucking glass bottle water. All we wear is gold rings, baby. Lambos, whatever you like to wear or whatever you like to drive. Sometimes you can't fit in cars because you're tall, you know?
But let's do it, man. $50,000 a month to delivering pizza. Yeah. That was a crazy mind fuck if I can and say even that. On, but even on, the way, even on the way up, like, I knew guys that were laying carpet. Right. And then a year later, they're literally making six figures. It's crazy. Um, doing mortgages. And it's right. like, do you— what do you even know about mortgages? He's, I don't know anything about mortgages. I know how to get people to sign paperwork. That's right. And that went on for like people wanted, not six months. That people went on for like wanted five years. to sign it. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, yes, there was predatory lending, and yes, people were dealt with dishonestly, but there was also a lot of dishonest people right. that wanted money. Oh, like yeah. I, I talked about it on my show. I said, you know, the idea of a victim. In that, because everybody's like, there were so many victims. And you go, yeah, but historically, look at what the term victim has meant, right? The Catholic Inquisition, all these crazy things where you were persecuted or murdered. In this time in history, being a victim meant someone lent you too much money. Yeah. That's probably one of the better ways to be a victim. I think there's like two kinds, though. There are people who just, somebody looks and sounds professional. Now, he is talking about there, there was two sides of this coin. There's people who already had money that just got lent too much money. My, I, my father had clients like this and stuff where they got riggedy, riggedy wrecked, bros. I'm talking about these people had like 20, 35 paid off properties and stuff, making tons of cash, private jets, and, and basically heart attack died. The wife had to sell all the property off at the worst times, sold the private jet, got left with like two houses. From 20, and it's just like, oh, boo-hoo, too well. No, you got to imagine, like, the downgrading and the how hard you have had to work to build yourself up to that point and then get to the point now where, like, you basically live in one of, like, the off houses. And it's too late now and you're too old to try to build it back. And then the other side, where people were just trying to make it up for the first time in buying the houses versus, or and then on top of that, the blue-collar guys trying to build up the businesses, and then... It all went away, and then, damn, they lost most of the businesses and stuff. And this happened to everybody. I mean, it's just crazy. Everyone took an L, but also everyone was living at large for a while, too, and stuff like that. So it's sort of like it's a victim, but not really, but it is. It's, it's you know, yeah. And they assume that they're getting advice, like even from yes, a mortgage. true. Like, oh, well, this person thinks I should buy this million-dollar house right. based on— I can so, do it. So that's real. That's but what real about victim. the people making 30 grand that are completely financially illiterate, like getting like totally f***ing abused? Yeah. That is unfortunate, but I would argue <laughs> that that wasn't the reason for the crash. I, I really don't believe that. I don't believe that subprime— Subprime was a very small part of the market— what people speculating with actual some oh, financial yeah. literacy yeah, yeah. and Facts. pretty decent credit yeah. uh, who are able to leverage four or five homes and then just let three of them go. Yes. Uh, seem to be, you know, subprime was a small part of the market. And, yet, and yes, that's horrible. If you have no financial literacy, but the bigger problem was adjustable rate mortgages. Most people would have been okay if in two or three years that rate was consistent. A lot of boom right there. He, goddamn Tim Dillon's a smart motherfucker, but you could tell he was in the in the industry and stuff like that, in the mortgage industry and stuff. But he like literally, fuck these adjustable rate mortgages or these arms or these balloons or whatever the hell you're using. Know what your payment is. That's the main thing. You understand? You know what your payment is. It doesn't move. Good. Done. That's the type of leverage. If you're going to take leverage, it's a leverage. You know it stays there. Leverage with terms. Not this fucking like random ass like whatever the market does, <laughs> whatever the market does. I mean, we're gonna be at zero forever, you guys. 
Jesus Christ. You, you guys don't know the incoming, the, like, the, the amount of doom that's coming, you guys. Like, I cannot, like, I've been saying for fucking, like, almost two years now that if the Federal Reserve increases the interest rates to 5.5%, things start breaking. And then just the other day, they're like, yeah, it looks like they're probably going to increase it another three times to 5.5%. I was like, oh, my God, these fuckers are taking it to the limit. It's insane, dude. It's just like, it's, it, it's, it's, it's wild to me that they're taking it to that 5.5%. It's like, because at a 5.5%, that's when you start having, you know, cities declaring bankruptcy. You start having some of the, work, like, you know, the smaller cities, maybe even some major cities. Like, it's because they, they, some of these, they trick these, they honey dick these, these. So it's not just Americans. It's not, it's not just the American individual taking out these bad loans. Sometimes zombie corporations or like a, a, people, people are put in a tough position. They have to take these loans with bad terms because what? Maybe, maybe I can turn this bitch around in three years. Maybe, maybe I can. Or like at least I can keep my, my, my whole thing for the next three years and I cash out and that's it. It is what it is. Or like whatever the fuck they use to justify themselves. Um, there's, a, I mean, I would bet you there's a lot of these retirement funds that have taken very shitty loans to make payments. And it's not really well known right now, but someone's writing those checks secretly. There's a lot of fuck shit that's going to be uncovered right now. The tides, the real estate tides still roll. And it's, this was this pump wasn't a real estate pump, but it was it was just an overall asset pump. But it's it, seventy five more basis points, you guys. A lot of them would have been okay, but nobody would have sold that consistent weight products for right. those people. Nobody, right. There's no money in it. And that is sad that there are people that had no idea that got bamboozled. Um, but it's just my opinion, and it, 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 not so much my opinion, but like the vast majority of people that I dealt with knew they shouldn't kind of have the money. Right. And they were like, it's a very American thing. We'll figure it out later. Yes. Totally. It's yes. the entire way we run our society. Like yes. down the road, we'll figure it out. We'll move in a tenant. Your side business that makes zero dollars will start making money. <laughs> we'll figure out how to cover, you know, like right. we got a backyard pool coming. You'll teach swimming lessons, whatever it was. <laughs> yes. And and the the thing is that everybody is doing that same thing. Uh, right. So you're we'll surrounded get a Lambo, by we'll people. do Uber. You're at a bar. It's 2006. You're in someone's backyard at a barbecue, whatever. There's five guys there that you went to high school with. You know they're idiots. They're flipping houses. Right. How how are you doing? How do you have the money yeah. to have three homes that you're fixing up and selling? Because Tim's lending the money. Yeah. yeah. Tim. What <laughs> do you I'm mean? doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's my fault. Well, you know, it was a great, and this is funny, people laugh. There's a show, obviously, that everybody knows now called The Real Housewives Franchise. Woo. Okay. We're about, to, we're about to really go into some red pill shit right here with this. this I'm, I'm very proud of myself to say I've never seen an episode. I, and I plan to never watch one. But... I sometimes watch people that watch them <laughs> just to hear their synopsis. Cause I'm not going to hurt my brain cells with that. And I'm like, I, I, I need this, this brain of mine needs to make us a lot of money and stuff. So I don't want to like, uh, you know, losing a brain cell here can mean like selling too early or too late and shit. So got to protect myself. But basically um, what he talks about here is what happens is when like most reasons divorce happens is because the, the money fucks up for the man. So either, I mean, we, we've talked about this. Most divorce, most divorces are initiated by the woman and stuff like that. But, but the reason that this happens is because men either go through depression, they lose their job, financial struggle, maybe the equities went down, they start losing money. It's legitimately almost two-thirds of the times it's because financial situations 
or the one third, like you just get depressed and then you're not in your frame. You're not being a man. Something's, something's different about you. I'm just going to leave you and stuff. It's insane what he'll talk about right here on this, on this fake ass show. The real relationships with kind of a fake show, like how many divorces and how many, like how the show progresses over time. It's insane, dude. Monkey branching. Doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's my fault. <laughs> well, you know, what's a great, and this is funny, people laugh. There's a show, obviously, that everybody knows now called The Real Housewives Franchise. And in the first incarnation of it, it was in Orange County. And the right. first season of it, everyone in the show is connected to a failing real estate empire. Some, some <laughs> subprime, one guy runs a title company, yeah. one woman's a realtor, right. and, and none of them are bright. And when I say not bright, I'm being quite you know, nice yeah. about it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of generous. You look at these people and you go, how are they? How do they have Amex How do they have that cars? house? How do they? Yeah. And then you start to realize that, like, they're, they were just riding this wave. And then season two is all the bankruptcies. Right. And season three is all the divorces. And you go, it's such an interesting charting of. Don't you think that same thing is, is going to happen uh, mostly on the West Coast with technology? Sure. Like, are all of these people who go work for a company six months later, the company IPOs for $9 billion. Right. Then the stock is, then the, then the stock gets killed. It goes, it's worth $3 billion. All of these people had all this wealth on paper. Right. It's not that they're not hardworking people or good people. There's nothing to right. do with that. They're in a wave that they don't control. Well, yeah. I mean, when you look at just. So now the yes and no, I mean, I mean, look, if the way, like sometimes if you see opportunity to make money, go make the money. Duh. Like go make that money. Like what? Are you, what is your like? Like stay there at your job making eighty thousand bucks or fifty thousand bucks, or for two three years go make that three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, maybe a million one year. It's just what you do with that capital afterwards. It's just having that large savings rate, um, not letting like spending money on a bunch of dumb shit. You know, like this is something Justin Waller does. I do as well and stuff like that. Like I really like even though like it, it looks like I'm spending all this money on dumb stuff and stuff. Like I'm spending. I'm literally spending like less than ten percent of my income. On dumb stuff. But yeah, I mean, this is something that, um, what's his name? Um, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, this bodybuilder guy, really smart guy and stuff like that. Um, Jesus Christ. He does a lot of keto and stuff. I, I totally forgot his name. I feel, I feel terrible. But it's not frugal. No, no. It's just like, basically, like th there's something I learned from Grant Cardone a long time ago and stuff. It's like, you don't have a savings problem. You have a income problem. You're not going to save yourself to a million dollars. And if you did, what's that million dollars worth at that time? Nothing. Miguel, do you, I, I can't believe you drink Starbucks coffee. Do you know if you save those $5 of that Starbucks coffee and then put it into an ETF for the S&P 500 and in 30 years, you're able to buy yourself a Lamborghini. Okay, let's, let's, just, let's, let's go down the math of that. If I save $5 every day because I'm drinking a coffee every day, and I put that away into the S&P 500, and one day, Miguel, that $5 every day for the next 30 years is going to turn to a million dollars. A fucking Lambo is going to cost $37 million in 30 years. So I'm going to buy myself a fucking Prius. In the immortal words of Jay-Z, what the fuck you think I rap for to, pu to push a fucking rat for? What are we talking about here? <laughs> You're... Take take the take that fucking five dollar coffee. Get caffeinated. Go work more hours. Go more do more stuff. Take that ca extra capital you have. Put it into the market or go build a business. 
or scale something with a family member or your buddy or something or or yourself and stuff. Whatever whatever it takes. Like it's it's ridiculous to me. This whole this like I I get really irritated with some of these pugnants and stuff about like now. Should you be spending? Should you be charging everything on credit? I think really credit cards. Most people should only be opening credit cards just to get their credit up and stuff. From there, you only should be using credit cards if you have tons of money. Like it makes sense if I go if if I'm fucking off fifteen thousand dollars a month and stuff like that on a credit card, but then I have fifteen thousand dollars, I easily can pay my credit card off. Sure, it's worth it for me because I'm going to get somewhere between two to three percent of my money back on that fifteen thousand dollars or a business expense. Sure, but should you be racking up five thousand? Like, look, let me tell you. This. For like when you're making normal money, when you're making under a hundred thousand bucks and you owe and you owe five thousand dollars on a credit card, that five thousand dollars of a credit card is a four hundred to six hundred dollar payment for minimum payments. Trust me, I was there. You get into this rat race. You owe three thousand on this credit card, two thousand here, five thousand on the other one, and by the time you look at it, you're fucking paying more than a than a car payment for minimum payments on these credit cards. Not even paying them off. And you're like, oh, let me put, I'll, you know, I'll put an extra hundred dollars here, hundred dollars here, hundred dollars here. Debit card, like I would wake up every day. How much money do I got in my bank today? Boom. Okay, cool. Okay, I got to make sure I, I siphon this off of the workers. Boom. This. I, I got to make sure I got some lunch money, gasoline. Tonight I'm going out for dinner. What do I have left over? Boom. Crypto. Broke again. Next day, out here scrambling, trying to stay hungry. Trying to keep, and that's what I did. Now, that's for a business owner. That's a business owner mindset. Now, for as like if you if you're working a W nine or ten ninety nine or something like that, you have to play it differently based on your paycheck and stuff. But it's it's that whole thing, the richest man in Babylon. You pay yourself first. It really is that sort of thing. And there's these lessons that you can really learn from all these people. I mean, not every not every single guru or guy's got all the answers, but they typically have a pretty decent like a couple points that just really add up. And if you collect all these things together, it really adds up. I mean, what did Robert Kiyosaki teach you? Your house is not an asset. What's an asset? An asset is something that pays you income and money instead of it's a liability, right? So you just take all these things, funnel them down and stuff like that. So I'm, I, I do not like this whole frugal, this frugal cry crap. It's, it's stupid and stuff, but always try to grow your income, the bottom line. But you got to say, but you, you got to put money away for investments. And this is why like, it, you're sometimes, like I've literally said, people are so bad at, at saving money that you're better off investing. Like if you, let's just say like, if, let's just say you saved up a thousand bucks, right? You're better off putting the thousand dollars into a coin, into a crypto coin, or a thousand dollars into a stock, and it going down fifty fucking percent. But what'll happen is over the over the next two three years, you'll keep putting a hundred dollars, twenty dollars, thirty dollars that you'll save up more money on a fifty percent loss than you will actually save in your real life. Because when you have like idle hands or the work of the devil or whatever, when you're when you're out when you have twenty four thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars in your, it takes a lot of willpower to control that. When you have forty five thousand dollars in your bank account, oh honey, let's go on a vacation, let's go do this, da, 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 you'll spend it. The, the reason people, I really believe one of the big reasons why people really get wealthy in, 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 in investing money in real estate, stocks, cryptos, is because they can't spend it off. And then eventually, by the time they look back and they're like, oh, fuck, maybe I should grab some out and like take some profits. They're like, Jesus Christ, where did all this come from? Because you never would have saved. People are very bad at saving money. I've learned this. I've learned this the hard way. It's just like this is something even this is something that what's his name? Um, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, what's a guy? Uh, not rich dad, poor dad. But uh, what's his name? Um, uh, what's that dude's name? My God, I'm spacing on the dude's name. But anyway, um, he's like the debt snowball. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey talks about. Yeah, Dave Ramsey talks about this all the time and stuff like that. Is that the reason the snowball method works is because people are emotional. 
They need little wins versus logical. Most people are not logical. They think they're logical, but they're not. They're rational, right? So it's this, it's this entire thing where you really need to make sure that you are scrolling things away and you make it harder for you to grab it there. Even though crypto is one of the most liquid money in the world, it's still a pain in the ass. I got to, oh, I got to go into the ledger or the treasure. Oh, then I got to move it onto Coinbase. Oh, then I got to sell it on Coinbase. Oh, then I got to fucking put into cash the account. Oh, and then from the cash account, it's got to go to my bank. Oh, and that takes seven fucking days. And you're like, man, fuck this shit. I ain't, I'll just leave it there. These barriers, one, two, three, four, five, six steps. But when you have it in your bank account, oh, just log into Chase, move it into the main account. Sure, honey, let's guy this. Shushing, shushing. And then like, oh, fuck, what happened to all our money and stuff like that? Oh, I fucked it off. Sorry, Tahiti. Hit a Pepe. And sure, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm being for real. You, there's ways to save money. There's tons of ways to save money. Like, of course, don't do dumb stuff. Don't buy this. Don't buy that and stuff like that. Like, one of the biggest things, right, right. I, I'm going to say, I, I've said this for my brothers, and they never believed me on this shit until just recently. They're like, fuck, you're right, right? And I've had cousins and, and uncles I've told this to and said they never believed me. All right. A lot of people, like, they buy these sh like a shittier version of a car, and they're like, oh, I'm buying this car, but I'm doing all these upgrades on it. Stupid. Let me buy this Honda. I'm going to put a twin turbo on it. I'm going to do this and this and this on it and stuff like that. By the time you add up all the money you just paid for the car, the upgrades, the fucking paint job, the rims and all this other shit, you're like, oh my God, I could have just bought a better fucking car. You could have. You could have bought the GTR. I'm literally, I think it's literally, you're better off stretching yourself into a, like, like oh, I'm going to buy this V6 charger. I've seen people do this shit. I'm going to buy a V6, uh, I'm going to buy a V6 charger. I'm going to put a supercharger on it. I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to put rims and spoilers. I'm going to put all this tit and shit. I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to upgrade it. Oh, let me change the, let me change the body style of it. Let me buy these panels. By the time you look at it, you could have bought the fucking scat pack. What the fuck are we talking about? Like, you buy the scat pack, you do a couple things, done. No more. And if you're in the scat pack money, shit, go stretch yourself, go get the Hellcat. What are we talking about here? <laughs> I'm serious. And you, it, it, it's not a joke. Just better, you're better off spending upfront the money, making sure that you, the terms, the terms are good, and getting it. That, because if you look down the line, you'll spend more money on these little upgrades than you will do anything. I've seen so many people. I've got buddy, I, I, this, this shout out to my brother, man. But my brother told me, like, bro, I, you were totally right. I should just bought the couple guns I wanted, but instead he bought himself an arsenal. He's got enough guns to fill up this entire fucking studio. And then he's like, oh my God, if I had just put. If I just bought half as less guns and put that into crypto or into anything, I would have, I would be like, I'd have millions today. Your just it's controlling your hobbies a little bit. Gym is a great hobby, right? You're cool. You're like, just be careful on the deadlifts. <laughs> but the like, gym's a great hobby. There's great hobbies like hiking and stuff. Shout out to Cappy and stuff. Like it's 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 getting good hobbies that don't cost you a fucking fortune. People guys guys go broke with hobbies. That's where we go broke on right there. Females is the other one, but like, I mean, it's deal with the devil. You have to do it. But I mean, it's true. You know, yeah, <laughs> not wrong. But uh, credit cards at the strip club, swipe it. Oh my God, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's nothing. Never use a credit card at the strip club and stuff. Always cash, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'm a man of God here. I don't, I wouldn't know anything about that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Never, yeah, never credit. Yeah. Just stay away from credit cards for the most part. Open them. I would say like, if you're 18 years old, go open a credit card. Maybe just like 500 bucks, open a, uh, one of those prepaid credit cards 
and have it open because it's just what the most important thing of that credit card is the age of the credit card. If you open it when you're 18, by the time you actually will need your credit at 25, 26, 27, you now have a seven, eight year of credit history on, on a couple of cards. Like, wow, you're, and you're, and you're at 700 plus, you know, rate and stuff like that. You, you just fill up your tank one time with gas and you pay the minimum payment. You set it on auto pay and just fucking forget about it. You know? They don't teach you this shit in school, kids. I'm just telling you, man. That's why you got to listen to Uncle Miguel and Uncle Charlie and stuff, man. We, when I call, it's, it's like, fuck Santa. When I'm calling, it's good news. Like, every time I've called one, like, a client of ours or somebody from the Red Pill space, they're like, hey, bro, you made a lot of money. <laughs> they're like, damn, they're like, I've had a lot of people tell me, like, bro, you're better than Santa. I know. <laughs> Let's go back to it. Don't you think that same thing is, is going to happen uh, mostly on the West Coast with technology? Sure. Like, are all of these people who go work for a company six months later, the company IPOs for $9 billion. Right. Then the stock is, then the, then the stock gets killed. It goes, it's worth $3 billion. All of these people had all this wealth on paper. Right. It's not that they're not hardworking people or good people. There's nothing to right. do with that. They're in a wave that they don't control. Wow. I, I know I just went on life advice for money, but I totally forgot what we were talking about here. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so what, so what they're talking about here is just basically riding these waves and stuff, and obviously ride the wave, get the money, of course, duh. But it's where you squirrel, but squirrel it away. You know that's the big thing. Like anytime you get a big amount of money, try to hold that big amount of. When, I'm not talking about little chump change, fucking W nine checks or whatever the fuck you're getting. I'm talking about you get a nice fifty thousand, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar like payday. You got a lot of you guys will get those kind of paydays. Have the money there. Get used to it for about a year. Two years. Then, like, it's, it's waiting the one to two years before increasing your spending. That's what I did. And when I started really making money from crypto, I, I didn't spend anything else. I mean, I held, on, I held on to crypto money for, like, forever until eventually, like, all right, I'll, 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 I'll start investing in stuff. Or I'll start, like, like I'll spend on some stuff that I like, you know? It's getting used to having that kind of money there. And, and, and then once, once you control yourself on having that kind of money, then you're, you're, you can partition it off more more safely it's what happens when people get that big shit whoa let's go let's spend a baby shit change that's what that's where you get in trouble but um but these guys but he they're sort of right they're, they're sort of seeing that like the tech sector especially on the west coast and stuff but the tech sector around the world is about to get fucking a heavy eld this chat gbt shit is real it's real serious you guys and uh, you've heard me before I've, I've said most coders aren't worth shit on camera let me where's the camera which one which one is it that one that one yeah that one, right, right there, man. That uh, most coders ain't worth shit. I've said this for a long time. People's like, you know what? Most of these guys are just copy and pasting motherfuckers. Like, there is talented super people. There's always talented. But if the average human's lazy, the average coder is a lazy sack of shit. Right. So I, I mean, there's going to be a ton of automation and more continual automation in, in the tech sector and stuff. Like, don't you? These evil fucks at these companies. You don't think they're not, they're not going to event? They're going to hire this Chat GBT guy. And I'm just talking about the AI guy, and he's going to replace about 15 of the guys working at the company through his automations. There's still going to be a really high level guy and some some other stuff, but basically, we're going to go. What's going to happen with this AI stuff, especially in not just finance, but in like coding and stuff, and all these in Silicon Valley companies, is where we're going to have. It's what's going to happen. So. What's going to happen is what happened to the stock market. So back in the day, you used to be able to work on the floor of the, the New York Stock Exchange back in the 90s and, and just about 2001, right before it crashed. From there, computers got added. They gutted the place. Instead of having 3,000, 2,000 brokers yelling at the top of their lungs, it went down to a couple hundred. That's what's going to happen with tech. So what I'm telling you right now is one of the, th one of the muscles you guys need to really work on is imagination. Imagination. And I'm not talking about smoking weed. 
I'm talking about imagination because what's going to happen is what it's what, 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 what in this AI world we're going into and stuff, because we're heading into this thing. It's going to be about the ones who are actually creative with the AI versus the guys who are just like, make it, do this prompt, then do this prompt, then do this, dot, 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 do that. It's going to be about like right now, anyone, anyone who's who does like a, a stuff with AI can be a dumb, dumb fuck and be like chat GBT, do this, read my video, give me thumbnails. Done, read that video. Give me, give me timestamps. Dot, 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 dot. Then later on, it's going to be by ChatGPT. I need you to go into here and here and see this connotation on this video here with this video and see if you can make a fusion video of these two. And then from there, see if it makes sense with this and then put it out there as like a clip and stuff for me. It's going to be about, about like, like being, knowing nuances and stuff about humans and stuff and then being able to fuse it together and tell the machine what to do from there. The imagination. That's what's going to be valuable because they can't replace, the machines can't replace that right now. Maybe in 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, but hey, but anyway, I, I, I'm getting off my soapbox. Anyway. In billion dollars. Right. Then the stock is, then the, then the stock gets killed. It goes, it's worth $3 billion. All of these people had all this wealth on paper. Right. It's not that they're not hardworking people or good people. There's nothing to right. do with that. They're in a wave that they don't control. Well, yeah. I mean, when you look at Justin Bieber paying a, a million dollars for a photo of an ape. Woo! We're at crypto, baby. They finally did it. 17 minutes in. Thanos glove. We're out here, man. Justin Bieber. Here we go. Well, yeah. I mean, when you look at Justin Bieber paying a, a million dollars for a photo of an ape. Yeah. You go, how sustainable is that? It can't be. Extremely. That's extremely. not a sustainable. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it can't, it can't crazy be. when you think about it. I, I think the technology behind it is really interesting. Transformative. People like myself that are creators that have, we make a living independently. I love the idea of more people being able to do that. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at the sustainability of it and you go, how many people are in it for the ape and how many people are in it to get rich? Well, the thing They're is, in like, it to all of them. <laughs> so a, a par part of them, it would be about, it's, it's about flexing, peacocking and stuff. The other half is about getting rich. And I would say most people get into it rich and then a certain portion of them see like, oh, this is really cool for peacocking because it's like buying a really fancy watch and stuff. You know, it's, it's an investment piece. But most times you invest in watches, you're just breaking even and stuff. But yeah. Pump and dump. But, and but Justin Bieber can take a million dollars. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it once a week. That's yeah, but right. A lot more. So the story here is a lot more people can do it than you think. Very few people are taking $30,000 or in the case of a board ape, f***ing $300,000 right. and, and buying Ethereum and then buying an ape. Like Bieber's doing that. The right. celebrities are doing that. But the reason why this is more sustainable than you think is because it's all crypto money. So there's a site where you could like literally see how many people have more than 100 ETH in their wallet. Sure. Guess how many people? I'll yeah, tell you. Sure. How many? 42,000 have more than 100 right. ETH. So it's poker chips. Right. It's not dollars. Right. And board it's 100 ETH. I've got 300. What's the difference? But, right. here, but, here's, but here's the thing, though. ETH is now cut in half from a tie. But that doesn't matter, though. No, it's it, poker. No, he's kind of right about this. Like, it is poker chips in a way. Now, it's financial poker chips and stuff. But remember, like, it's fucking crazy they even said this and stuff. But um, yeah, man, like, the Ethereum's the, the Chuck E. Cheese token of like the, or it's the token to play the games. And the game is shit coins. So I was like, ooh, I'm going to take my one Ethereum and I'm going to put it into the Doge or the Pepe coin or the Zen or the Hex and stuff. And these are the coins. And then from there, like, wow, I hit the jackpot. And then you sell and then you're like, wow, I have, I turned my one token, my one Chuck E. Cheese token into seven of these tokens. Fuck yeah. Now you're, you're out here gambling more on the other machines.
it's a it's a casino slash arcade and stuff like that. But he is right; there is a dollar value to it. But um, with a lot of these NFTs, because um, they're very liquid and stuff, sometimes like the the prices just stay sky high in Ethereum prices. It so. has to matter because if we're saying it's the poker chip, and instantly we devalue the poker chip by half, dude, wrong. And that's less wrong. money for apes. Wrong. Actually, in the crypto meltdown right now, the NFTs are not budging. I know the the denominator is Ethereum is going down, but the prices for for board apes and all this other shit, they're not budging. Is it the non-liquid market? I don't. I don't think there's yeah, real ape weird, price discovery. Isn't it weird? Oh, that, it's weird. Isn't it weird that it's not changing at all? Because there's not enough people transacting. Like your like your house. Yeah. You don't know what your house is worth today. No. You know what you paid for it. You know what other houses in the neighborhood have recently sold for. Right. You don't know what your house is worth until you sell it. That's right. You have a good idea. This yeah. estimate is bullshit. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You say board apes, like how liquid are they? How All many right. board apes were sold you. today? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So you've got a sale 38 minutes ago, 43 minutes ago, two hours, whatever. So it's fairly illiquid. But each one is different, it's, though. It's, it's fairly illiquid. It's the same one. It's fairly illiquid. Hands. Hold on. But here's, here's where it could be, like, unsustainable. If some asshole is, like... Right now, the floor is 99. If somebody's like, I want to, like, I need to sell yesterday. I need to sell immediately. I've got this loan shark that I need to pay off. I'm going to put the floor, I'm going to list it for 90. God, more of this loan shark shit. What, what is up with crypto guys and Barton from the fucking mafia? <laughs> Bro, this is actually some real shit. Like, we actually had a guy that was like, yo, um, I brought some money. Oh, dude, I wouldn't borrow money right now, man. I think it's a little crazy. Yeah, I'm going to borrow money no matter what. All right, bro. Well, be, be safe. Make sure to take profit. Didn't take profit. And then later on, he's like, yeah, Miguel, I, well, I kind of borrowed from the mafia. I was like, what? And and then I and I ran down to the scenarios. He's like, oh, I borrowed this. I, okay, let's just say I borrowed a million, and then I ran it up to four million, and I was hitting for 13 million. Motherfucker, you owed the mafia a million, a million dollars, and you didn't pay him off first? <laughs> Greed, bros. Greed. 90th. And undercut the floor by 90th. And then that's how, like, maybe this thing could, like, fall apart. Is people undercut the floor you don't, and just start getting You scared. don't think it could fall apart just eventually people Lack saying... Lack Bored. We're bored. Oh, totally could. That's yeah, what I think. Totally could. I mean, I, I think eventually people are going to go, okay, I've made a lot of money doing it. Or they go, the scam has kind of run its course. Let me cash out. People, or, or they make 80 versions of the same thing. So but people don't want it. Next versions. week it's pregnant kangaroos, and a week later it's yeah. like right. Yeah, like, but that's a straw man because nobody wants that. People want board apes right now. You can't just come up with something new and displace this. You can lose interest. I was you... gonna buy an ape. I was gonna buy an ape for two hundred ninety thousand. <laughs> I was gonna get an ape. Well, what are you? Why are you laughing? You you just told me a sustainable. Say, you see how this guy I just came alive? Fifteen minutes. The guy into just the flipped. You just you just went into this is the greatest thing sides. in the world. Tell your story. Tell your story. If Ben acted like this, you you would yeah. you would cut the mic. Tell your story. My business manager is a is a, a very desperate man, and he um he races like NFT horses, and he's 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 in big trouble. Oh, Zed one. That's sustainable. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what he does. And everything I want to do, he always like talks me He goes, well, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. I want to buy this house in Calabasas. I don't, well, I don't know. Is it really in Calabasas? But if I say I want anything with crypto, he moves the money to Coinbase immediately. So <laughs> if I was a financial planner, that's exactly what it would be. Hey, Miguel, I want to buy a new house. Yo, I don't know, man. The market's kind of like, eh, I think the market's going to crash right now and stuff. How about we pour all that into crypto? Well, hey, I've already moved. Here, I'll just do the wire transfer today, and we'll, we'll start buying some coins tomorrow. <laughs> that financial advisor is based as fuck, bro. I want to buy this house in Calabasas. I don't, well, I don't know. Is it really in Calabasas? 
But if I say I want anything with crypto, he moves the money to Coinbase immediately. So I'm like, I want a board ape. He's like, not a bad idea. I'm like, it's probably a bad idea. So he's like red pilled. Like he's, he's red pilled. He's on Twitter hard. all day. And, and I get it because I'm half red pilled. Yeah. But I'm half, I don't know. I'm three quarters. I, I watch Peter Schiff at night to come down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it's important for me. Peter Schiff is uploaded on YouTube maybe. 700 times in the past three years and the title of every single upload is meltdown coming yeah Psycho. uh you know and i just watch him to to come down and to not to not pull the trigger on the ape yeah because, because you might need that two hundred ninety thousand. he makes some good points about yeah. the fact that you know 80 percent of people that hold bitcoin or whatever have never sold it and right. you know the idea that he's met people that have a hundred million in Ethereum and won't sell it. And these are regular people. They turn 20,000 into a hundred million, which is yeah. impossible. to. No, it is very possible. <laughs> that is very possible, sir. But that is, but that's, but that's if you catch one of the win, the big winners and stuff like that, that is because Ethereum at one point was 50 cents a dollar. I mean, the cheapest Ethereum I ever bought was $4. Uh, wait, $2. I bought it at $2. My brother bought it fifty cents, motherfucker. But uh, <laughs> but I'm telling you, you like you could you could have bought these coins at that cheap. I mean, what what is that? We're we're at two thousand one hundred dollars, and Ethereum is at fifty fucking cents. Not too shabby, not too shabby. And that and then and that motherfucker's paying four percent yield a year too on top of that. It's a dividend stock now. Yo. I mean, shit, I turned a dollar into 10 Gs with a hex, not even counting staking. To do really anywhere else, and they're not pulling their money out because it's this religiosity, right? And then Schiff is like, you got to pull at least half out. Like, what are you doing? But the guy's like, well, I don't want to miss the billion. I, yeah, so I there think is a religious. Oh, totally. You know, Peter yeah. Schiff trolls his son on Twitter. You know about that? No, I love that. Oh, it's I, I love that. I actually, I endorse that. Is Schiff's son a crypto guy? Maniac. In a good way. I mean, wow. a term of endearment. He, yeah, total laser right psycho. Yeah. So, Interesting. So I think, I think though, the more time you spend on Twitter, the more likely it is that you're going to have a very strong opinion about this whole crypto ecosystem. Right. Either strongly anti or strongly obsessed. I don't, like, I don't think you can be on Twitter six, seven hours a day like a lot of financial people are. Yeah. Um, Yo, wait, and not on. have a very strong hold opinion. Hold on. Right. This is, this is, this is fucking gold. This is from September 2020. Peter Schiff tweeted, against my advice, my son, and he tagged his son, just bought even more Bitcoin. Whose advice do you want to follow? A 57-year-old experienced investor, business owner who's been an investment professional for over 30 years, or an 18-year-old college freshman who's never even had a job? What a Bitcoin What a dick. But that. wait, he, he put a poll up. 80% said the kid. Oh, yeah, that's great. that's great. You know why? Because Peter Schiff don't make profit. <laughs> the son probably made more money than his dad. I'm just, I'm just saying, man. Uh, shout out to Peter Schiff, man. Gold, gold up forever, man. 80% said the kid. That's great. Cell phone. And since then, obviously, Bitcoin mooned. Well, not anymore. And gold did what did. Well, so I, I wanted to ask you, uh, so you must get pitched every day to be involved in these projects. Because one thing that all these projects have in common is they need, like, celebrity buy-in to be heard above the noise. Yeah. So, like, how many people are coming to you and being like, Hey, we'll give you these coins. Just good talk amount, about that. A good amount. But I've always said I won't do an NFT until I'm very sure of like the value proposition. Like I won't sell something 
until I'm sure that it's worth it for people. Right? And you're delivering something in exchange. Yeah, I, I, so, I want right, to know so exactly. Let's say, let's say yeah. you sold an NFT. The thing is, this is what I personally hate about it. We Not sold it, one NFT for five ETH back in the day, put it up, sold one. The guy wanted to own it. And I said to them, I said, we're doing this as a joke. Yeah. You can buy it. You know, it's a bit. And he bought it. And it's hopefully it, it nobody, does worth may, money. Maybe nobody will ever buy it from you. So you just want to have we, to want to own it. Yeah. Right. I was like, this is what it is. But I'm not going to issue a coin or a card or anything until I'm like kind of. So so Kings of Leon did this. Were one of the first bands to do an NFT. It made perfect sense to me. You're a huge fan of theirs. You'll buy whatever they say. Right. And then you buy it, and they're entitling you first row seats for one show a year. Great. That makes perfect sense to me. It's a fan right. club. And right. why shouldn't why shouldn't entertainers do that? Why not? Okay. The problem is if you do too much of that and you start issuing things and getting people to buy shit from you, then they fucking own you. Right. And then they're like, yo, I bought your thing. Why aren't we having lunch? I love like, freedom. Right. I love freedom. I hate overcommitting. Myself, you hate responsibility. I hate responsibility. Yeah, what, it, what are we doing? What are we? Yeah, what mean, are we giving ourselves would, obligations? Yeah, in my world, in the creative world, if you overcommit, uh, you strain your creativity because right. you have to keep pumping out garbage. Um, I would rather put myself in a position where I was free to do what I wanted to do, as opposed to issuing a token that entitles you to something that I may not want to do, uh, or you want to do it now, but you don't want to. You don't want to do it forever. I may not want to do it in six months. Maybe That's we right. shouldn't pitch Tim our idea. Maybe yes. We should. All right, so forget it. Never mind. Never mind. What was your idea? I'm on the same page as you, and also you have you have millions of fans. That we at turn this point. the cameras off. We turn it back on in five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, you know, my thinking's evolved. <laughs> you, have, you now. Ha I don't, know, I don't know if you talk about how many listeners you have, but— We do. Okay. How, how many listeners on a weekly basis to About the a million. And then the Patreon is like the super fans. About 40,000. Okay. For so, more than 40,000. So you're like a full-blown phenomenon at this point. Which, well, I don't know about that, but— well, it's I would a, say you are. It's a big show. Yeah. So yeah. now everybody wants you to be involved in their shit. And yeah. I think you're hilarious taking meetings and the Substack meeting was hilarious. Well, I, I'll take a meeting with. So this, this is one of the best things about Tim Dillon is that he he's a smart guy. He knows when people are trying to like are, are trying to like con him into some stuff. But then he's like, let me go waste these guys time. So then he takes a bunch of these fake. He calls them fake business or fake business meetings. And then he just like puts he just he just strings them along for fucking months. <laughs> it wastes their complete time. <laughs> he, has, he has ones where like he talks to a real estate agent like he's gonna buy all these properties and stuff like that and he's like they get on the phone and he goes to watch properties he goes to like let's check it out let's check this one ah, i don't think this one's right ah, you know what i'm they're like right about to sign on the paper to buy the property you know what i've changed my mind i want to look at the other property and just keep stringing people along he'll he'll go on the phone with like scammers and just keep them there forever it's shout out to tim dillon fake business with anybody yeah I like meetings. Yeah. I like conference rooms. I like lunches. I like the process. You like the pitch, too. I love the pitch. I love the process. I like to see you sweat. I remember doing that. Yes. I have the leverage because I have enough money to live and I don't care. Yes. So and now, that's what's fun. So now a lot of the things people are coming to you with, though, it's time-consuming shit. And yeah. you can't be funny and you can't be you and you can't, like— you need like hours to think of like what's the next thing I want to do. 
if you're obligated all day and being pulled into meetings about things and how can you be yourself? Like you get to a point where you just can't be yourself and please everybody at the same time. Yeah, you got to safeguard, I think, your time. Right. And that's harder and harder to do as we do more and more stuff. And I am interested, right? I am interested, like, if there is a good way to do a project that benefits people, I'm I'm all ears. But right. it can't just be let's figure it out later. It can't just be let's pump something to 50,000 plus people. Yeah. And then later on, we'll figure out what it is. I want to figure out exactly what it would be. We've always tried, like, you know, I've wanted to do experiences for a long time that were non-traditional for people, right? Like, uh, we do this thing on my show called Fake Business, uh, where we have our, our hoodies, our merch, it's all fake business because so much of what goes on is fake business. It's the, it's the funniest thing I've ever We heard wanted about. to do a fake business convention, right? Oh my Rent God. out a hotel, get a bunch of comics, get real Real trainers, sales trainers and shit, comics, fake things, have people not know what was going on, get tickets to events, seminars, funny stuff. Yeah. We were going to, we wanted to do it and we, and I still do. If I could find a way to issue an NFT or it pays for partially or it allows you access to something like that. Yes. That's a really good idea. We, we, we've always thought about like, what would be, we thought about four-walling a restaurant on Long Island for two days, taking over the menu, the chef having it being like this weird comedy dining experience where the menu would be insane. We'd hire lunatics to work there. Like, it would be a really funny, like, going out in a Long Island so, restaurant. So what's, like, what's the everybody's got Trump hats, you're screaming. <laughs> well, it's it's been COVID so far. Oh, yeah. But, like, our idea was to basically, like, let's take over. And, and what he's talking about right here is exactly what kind of, like, the what the red pill lines are doing is he's trying to go that extra mile. And that's the, the, the tough part. A lot of most people, when they launch these NFTs, it's a cash grab for them. Instead of it actually being something more of a, like, you have to make a time commitment, you have to do stuff for it, you have to provide value and stuff. And a lot of people, they just want to, they want to, like, launch something on their community. Thanks for the money. Later, chumps. Here's, here's a picture of a squirrel. And that's it, you know? And he's legitimately talking about this. I mean, like, shout out to the Repo Lions. I mean, they're they're planning to do a whole, like, celebration and stuff, rock band sort of thing. Um, and they're planning that like, later this year. I mean, we're doing the uh, crypto mindset events and stuff like that. We're, like, providing value to the communities, networking events and stuff like that. Versus some of these other NFTs, just buy the NFT, buy the floor, buy my pudgy, pudgy penguin. And what do I do with it? I don't know, you know? So be careful restaurant to give people a long island dining experience oh turned God. up to 11 yeah like like the depressed waitress complaining about diabetes like family style italian just family style italian conspiracy QAnon, crazy people <laughs> people complaining about the neighborhood changing like this 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 experience that we've all had can you smoke at the table so yeah probably yeah, yeah. or maybe the waitress will be smoking yeah. when she approaches your table we wanted to do crazy shit i still do yeah i still do I'm still excited you by the when I was a, a comedian in New York, we rented a tour bus and we took I sold tickets to it. It was this massive show at the New York Comedy Festival. People bought tickets and I took them on this crazy tour of New York and said all the stuff <laughs> that a, you couldn't say if you were a real tour guide. You know, Jeez. because I was a tour guide in New York and I, I would say those things yeah. and I would get reprimanded every now and then. Do you, do you remember uh, Tony and Tina's wedding? Yeah. Like, the, exactly. Like, let's do, like, let's do that. It's a dinner. You'll actually yes. get food. Yes. But 
everyone in the restaurant, you don't know if they're real people or or they're all of a sudden going to spontaneously set themselves on fire. So that's the type of stuff that my interest in the NFT stuff yeah. is because I do have those ideas mm. and I want to figure out an avenue to those ideas. But dumb, dumb question, why can't you just sell a ticket for that? You can, but I think that there's probably a better, more efficient way to fund something like that to pay people like the whole thing's in operation right yeah so the idea is like basically it's 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 more cost effective to sell nfts to do these grand things versus like if you just throw one big event with like a ticket itself for it it be, the ticket becomes really expensive so it's more of a community thing where like the people that can make it go and then it's kind of subsidized by the whole community and you actually can have a lot of fun and it's an incredible event versus if you try to do the whole event with just like charging a ticket for it it gets super super expensive because you're you're, you're funding all these things with ticket sales and stuff so i, I kind of get where tim dylan's going here and then you can do you can keep doing more stuff and then on top of that nfts when they're sold back and forth in an open market they also generate more money and um that gets put back into a dow and you can grow a dow and then you can keep doing more and more stuff and stuff so i, I think the nft route is the best way to do it and stuff but it's just so many people are so fucking terrible at it not just on the on the implementation on the on the on the uh, actual on the uh, launching of the nfts and the the arts and stuff like that but then on top of that they're bad at managing um events and then on top of that they're like it you really you end up you're almost an event coordinator slash artists and stuff so it's like most artists are terrible at running businesses and stuff like this is why i think it's it's done like a lot of people have done very bad with it but if you actually get that magical combination damn it can be very very cool and then your nft be worth a lot of money and then p and then some of the holders can over time get liquidity and get their own cash it, it becomes a really like cool kind of community in its own like i would say no no let me not say it's not gonna get canceled um but anyway i digress if people bought nfts and then that money was used to to create this event. Everybody loved the idea of it. You could then sell your NFT to potentially a bigger fan who goes, no, 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 I really want to go. Whatever <laughs> you know, it is. You know like, what the problem yeah. is? You know what the problem is? I think you have to do this in Austin or California and bring Long Island to them. Because if you do this on Long Island, no matter how crazy the yeah. people you stack the room with, People won't get that. It's a performance. I don't think we'll do it on Long Island. Yeah. I think we would absolutely do it somewhere we else. We should export Long Island to, to Alabama. To Alabama. other places, yeah. Oh, my God. That's the idea. So my interest in that, area, in that arena is, like, maybe there is a way to do it. You know, I could see comics funding a special going, I have the capital where I'll fund my own special. But I could see a comic going, okay, I have X amount of fans. They all buy this NFT. I use that money to fund my special taping. That NFT comes with tickets to the special. Right. Things like that, I think, are really good. Your fans want to own it. Your yeah. fans yeah. don't want a ticket stub. They want a digital representation of the fact that they're your fan and they went to yeah, your event. Yeah, I think, by the way, I think That's a with, real thing. with the NFT would, would, come, would come with more than just a ticket stub. You would get things get with it. They get your alarm be, code to your house. Uh, an alarm code to my home. There would be Joe Rogan's phone number. Right. There would be, uh, but there'd be merch, maybe merch specific to the event. It also, it also event. Helps, helps amplify what you're trying to do. Nobody's taking a screenshot of their ticket and tweeting it. Absolutely. So with the NFT, everyone's like, oh, me too. No, the marketing is built in. Right. All and, and this is what the, the NFTs are really big for too, as well as like, you see, I was, I was, I was a, like, watch this. I, I um, imagine this. Imagine if all this was like financialized. 
there's a ton of YouTube channels that I found that there were like 5,000, 2,000 subscribers, and I've seen them go to a million. There's been like countless times. How many times have you found like a really big band early on, and what did you get for it? Sure, you got to listen to music, cool. Like, oh, yeah, I was on that music, but then then every other fucking, whoa, almost said the F word. Woo, woo, woo. I'm getting good at catching myself, you guys. These paninis. Um, these these paninis are like, oh yeah, man, it's so cool, man. I love that band, man. And you'd be like, well, I knew that band before you knew that band, but what did it get you? Nothing. But imagine if that was somehow financialized and stuff, and you had a way to like, oh, I'm an OG fan. I've been li like, imagine like I've been listening to Metallica since the Garage Band days. No way, really. Look at that, dude. Holy fuck, that gets you like status and power and stuff. Or this is what people this is what people get, you know, and this is what people want basically, right? Is to financialize that stuff, and there's people. I mean, it's it's sort of being able to uh, to uh, like figure out talent. I just I've I've been able to to I've honed the skill to figure out who's going to be popping, and and translated it into finding cryptos early, and that's made me a lot of money. But there's a, for a large time. Imagine like I've been listening to Kanye West for a long time. Imagine if I was able to get a stake into Kanye West, and the, and I'm not talking about these fucking financial NFTs for like their music and stuff because it's not really the the artist. If the artist is really making a lot of money off this music and stuff, they're not going to give you that and shit. They're just not. <laughs> right but um but it's just the sort of thing imagine if you like it like i was early on like i was listening to kanye west since since like his first album imagine if i just i invested into him when i was in high school and in middle school and just kept investing and then now look all the albums he had i mean i probably would have cashed out during uh probably like if i'm, I'm life of pablo i'm guessing but <laughs> But um, but if you look at like all that trajectory of how much money, like Jay Z, same thing. Like imagine like even if like all these guys are big stars, and then you keep like you invested in Beyonce early, where would you be at money wise? You could have actually rode the coattails and actually done that. This is this is stuff that's solved over time and just not yet. They haven't figured out the avenue for it, but it's coming. Merch, maybe merch specific it also, to the It also event. Helps, helps amplify what you're trying to do. Nobody's taking a screenshot of their ticket and tweeting it. Absolutely. So with the NFT, everyone's like, oh, me too. No, the marketing is built in. Right. All of that is built in. They market for you. Yeah, so that's that's why I am spending time with people trying to figure out how to do it. Uh, you, should totally buy you should totally buy a board. You should totally buy a board. You're one of the I, Listen, I, don't make me move the market. <laughs> Bieber, Bieber thinks he can move the market. I make it a gutter cat. So when you when you look at like the daily ups and downs of the stock market, how how close attention do you pay to like what people are investing in or what companies are saying? I pay a decent amount of attention, but I don't I'm 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 you know not by any means any type of expert on anything. I I, I look at it to know where things are going yeah. so I can talk about it. I'm interested in culture and society yeah. at large. Um there's I like characters. Yes. So Kathy Wood's funny. Yes. And 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 Gary Vee are funny. Yes. I like big personalities. And then I'll, the entrance point both into of, this stuff. Both of those Richard. two people should be on your show. But I agree. My entrance point into like I love real estate, but my entrance point into real estate was these big realtors, people like Dolly Lenz in New York. These yeah, yeah. these big personalities that would you know have these crazy articles written about them in the New York Observer and you'd read about them and then from that you would take an interest in the things they were selling. I feel a similar way about, like I know more now about crypto and about Tesla and about all that stuff. Because, from the personalities. Because I think Kathy Wood is very, she's very funny, very mild-mannered, kind of Connecticut mom, but then she's like this <laughs> really like forward-thinking, yeah. balls-to-the-wall investor that will just risk it all and there's something about that i respect but Shout she looks like a woman you'd see leaving church yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. getting into a toyota camry 
in real life, one of the nicest people I've ever met. I'm that works, sure she's that works lovely. I'm sure she's lovely. Yeah. Um, she's a fascinating character. Yeah. People like her, I listen to them. I like Peter Schiff. Yeah. I like that he lives in Puerto Rico because he feels that he's too taxed here. Yeah. I like <laughs> that he has been, I think there's a great uh, quote where it's, Peter Schiff has predicted nine out of the last two recessions. Like, I love that every day is doom and gloom no matter what. Yeah. I love the commitment. Peter and I have the the polar opposite investment beliefs. Yeah. But the one thing I do respect about him is I think he actually lives what he says. Like, moving yeah. to Puerto Rico. Like he believes his own bullshit. I yeah. really think he, I really think he, and I think I believe what I what I think, but I think he really believes that disaster is lurking around every corner all the time. And it's just a matter of yeah. minutes. So the the personalities to me are are fun. Yeah. And then from there, I get into the more of the because I don't love I love making money, but I don't I don't love the multiplying of money. Like I wouldn't be funny if I no. cared that much about. <laughs> That's how you cease to be funny. Yeah, you just yeah, can't yeah. care that much about it. But then I will look at these characters in that world, and I go, "This is great." You must love Kramer. I like Kramer, but I got bored with Kramer. You get bored with people mm. and. And the reason I got bored, well, here's my favorite story about oh, Kramer. Kramer on on your show would oh, be yeah. amazing. I, I I worked at a company called Accredited Home Lenders. Oh, yeah. They were a subprime mortgage bank, according to Jim Kramer, with a good portfolio. that was not <laughs> going to be in trouble. And literally, we were all watching Jim Kramer in my Long Island office in Westbury on, on fucking corporate drive. And we're watching Jim Kramer, and he's going... A credit home lender is going to be okay. It's going to be okay because he goes, their balance sheet is great. It's good company. They're blah, blah, blah. And he does this whole thing. And we're all like, we go out, we're all smoking cigarettes. We're like, this is going to be okay. <laughs> so these guys go like, they're watching TV at the office. Jim Cramer saying we're a-okay. Woo, baby. Let's crack out the cigars, champagne, baby. Shit. We made it, baby. Mad money, man. Jim Cramer said we're a-okay. But little did they know. The next day, we get an email that says- Oh, all the brokers are like- Yeah, we're going to be yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. going to be okay. The next day, we get an email saying the company has ceased U.S. operations. <laughs> that, that was Literally, perfect. not 20 Hit a pepe on that. The seal of death, you guys. So here we are at a shitty, I, no, wait, an outstanding citizen in the real estate market. And I'm here with my chums here. You know, we're, we're watching Jim Cramer like you're supposed to do. And he, and he says our company's in great financial standing. So me and my lads, we, we go to the bar, maybe with some harlots, light up some cigars, some champagne and stuff like that. We, you know, we have a late night. I don't go to sleep. It's okay. You know, we're living large and stuff like that. Go to the office. Boss emails us. We're no longer operating in the United States anymore. God bless Jim Kramer. I like Kramer, but I got bored with Kramer. You get bored with people. And and the reason I got bored, well, here's my favorite story about oh, Kramer. Kramer on, on your show would oh, be yeah. amazing. God. I, I, I worked at a company called Accredited Home Lenders. Oh, yeah. They were a subprime mortgage bank, according to Jim Cramer, with a good portfolio that was not going to be in trouble. And literally, we were all watching Jim Cramer in my Long Island office in Westbury 
on on fucking corporate drive, and we're watching Jim Cramer, and he's going, a credit home lender is going to be okay. He's going to be okay because he goes, their balance sheet is great. It's a good company. They're and he does this whole thing, and we're all like, we go out, we're all smoking cigarettes. We're like, Woo! this is going to be okay. The next day, we get an email that says, oh, all the brokers are like, yeah, we're going to be yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. going to be okay. The next day, we get an email saying the company has ceased U.S. operations. <laughs> Nobody's Literally, perfect. Not twenty four hours after Jim Cramer goes, they're good. Yeah. So uh, right after that, immediately, I was just like, oh, I get it. Well, listen. I think part of it is like you're kind of like the Long Island medium, right? There's, you know, like she's pretending to talk to dead people. A lot of these guys are pretending it's to entertainment. have a clue. It's, it's, it's entertainment. It's ESPN it's for not, stocks. It's not easy. Like, so here's what's weird about uh, finance. When you watch the, the NFL pre-show. Right. And Terry Bradshaw, and they're all like picking the games. They're like, oh, oh, I'm going with Mahomes. I say the Chiefs. And they go down the, and everybody says what they think is going to happen. That's it. Nobody calls them after and is like, I fucking lost my bet because of you. Right. I lost a, a three-team parlay because. But for some reason, when somebody is talking about stocks or maybe real estate, it's like, oh, this person just gave me advice. Well, also, this is really, really important little topic they're talking about here. It's true. In our society, there's tons of people who take who watch people, not just on YouTube, but on on TV or, or um, I would say like podcasts or blogs or whatever, and just blindly take the advice and stuff like that. And then it would end up, they take losses and stuff and then they don't really bitch or cry about it. But, but in the financial, in the financial side, you end up getting really chastised for this and stuff. And it's, I think it's a little bit unfair because it's, it's the sort of thing that you have to do your own research and stuff. And at the end of the day, you're the one that pushes the green button. But I think that's, there is a lot of people in this kind of in, like humans, are, they really love not taking responsibility for what they end up doing. It's it's kind of it's it's kind of insane and stuff like that. Shout out to the red pill men and stuff like that, you know. But do your own research. Obviously, listen to his like you know learn, hear what the elders say. But you, at the end of the day, you've got to make the decision. At the end of the day, but right? The, but the stakes, no, they didn't. But the stakes are much higher with stocks because people are betting at five hundred bucks on the game. Maybe right with stocks, it's like their retirement money. Right, but this this is this idea that you sat in front of a, a, a TV or you listened to a podcast and somebody told you what to do with your money yeah, totally. that no, you've never it. met before. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the idea that you can't listen to a podcast and, and then be trusted to make a decision about your health, right? It's this idea of this 100%. infantilizing of people where their children who are easily led by whoever comes on TV or yeah, the it's, internet. It's kind of true. Well, but it is, so, it is kind of true. But here's the deal. How much are you going to destroy society by instituting rules to protect those people? Mm. Truly, because you will destroy society. If you go around and you try to structure society with the idea that people have absolutely no common sense or, you know, uh, a self-agency, then you're going to restrict the everyone. You have to have a balance. There's yeah, there's this. There's this like famous thing on Wall Street that people bring up every every once in a while. Uh, Apple's the most valuable company in the world. It's worth three trillion dollars. In 1981, I guess, or whenever the IPO was supposed to be, the securities regulators in the state of Massachusetts forbid their people that live there from being in the IPO. Wow! Like you, we will not let Massachusetts residents buy the IPO of Apple. It was called Apple Computer Corp. or whatever right. at the time. And just this idea that, like, not that people couldn't have bought it the next day when it was publicly traded, but just this idea of, like, you have to have rules and you have to have a modicum of protection. Right. And when big money's at stake, you probably need more protection when health is at stake. But, like, 
where do you where does it stop well this is why it's complicated it's because it's yeah the thing is is if you put too many rules you stifle innovation but you don't have enough rules you allow like fuck shit to happen and the thing is is like the sec has been notoriously bad at doing this they don't protect anyone from anything damn near i mean like they uh, they don't they're not putting any they're not putting any correct infrastructure there to to like if you if you set the rules up nicely then from there let them go we we have tons of innovation and stuff like that, but right now it's it's crazy. No one's building here in the United States because the SEC because they won't put any fucking clarity on anything and that. And then and then you have the CFTC, the Commodities Commission and stuff. Both the SEC and the commodities guys are fighting each other to have control over crypto and stuff. And right now, every day we're leaning more towards the commodity guys every day and stuff like that. It's it's just in, it's just insane to me, like of just how stupid lawmakers are and stuff like that. And like man, dude, it's it's. Uh, they didn't do they didn't they they i think they put the right amount on technology early 2000s to now and stuff and look at look at all the growth we got from technology growing but then they didn't really now they're now they're acting fucking crazy about like crypto and stuff and it's it's just it's a it's a shame and stuff it's health and yeah and so i don't think it's right but i understand i understand why people are upset even if i don't agree with why they're upset people are going to be upset um for a myriad of reasons yeah. all the time and yeah. if you make policy based on how people feel, you're going to be changing policy constantly and you're going to be getting, I think, uh, a kind of – it's going to seem like you don't have any values. Right. Like it, you're, you're going to seem like you are being led by the dictates. The loudest of, voice. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't govern a city based on Twitter. Yeah. You can't govern a city. You can't institute a policy about the police because it's trending on Twitter. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't, as a politician, want to get more retweets and favorites than protect people from crime. But that's right? the game That's the game right now. That's the problem. Yeah, but yeah. The, in the real world, asserts itself. And if you saw the turnout of New Yorkers for uh, the two dead NYPD officers— right. The turnout was unbelievable, bigger than any stupid holiday parade. That's right. Right? Like, Well, because people are realizing that this is not the course of action to take. Yeah. But it was such a persuasive marketing campaign on social media, defund the cops, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. None of it accomplishes the goal of a more equitable and just society. Right. None of it gets there. A right. lot but of people, a politician yeah. can get retweets. And but a politician can get retweets they can get clout for lack of a better word they can become a favorite they could people will start writing articles about them uh they will go viral they will build a personal brand off of slogans on twitter the policies are quite murderous you know i mean they they harm the, the people that they purport to help and politicians don't care. Well, this is the problem with the internet. It's like you're pandering to the mob, and the mob could unite faster than ever before. And the mob is 4,000 people. <laughs> the mob is not even the mob. The mob <laughs> is a tiny fraction of people that have appointed themselves to be guardians of the public interest. That's what the mob is there. If you look at the sheer numbers of, of you know, Twitter I forget what it is, but it's 90% of content is, you know, generated by 10% of the users. The vast majority yeah. of people, even on the app, don't care enough to generate that content. Right. But I care. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, like, was it like, not, yeah, I'm damn near like 90% of all content is made by 10% of the content creators. And I would probably say I'm more on the, like, 
3% of that, all that top end there. It's insane. You're like, we just hit over 2,000 videos on the channel. Shout out to your boy. Sheesh. Millions of hours of watch time. Shout out to your boy, man. We're out here, man. Cracking 20K one of these days. Shit. I, sh I actually tell you the truth. I wouldn't be shocked to crack 20K by next week. <laughs> on the way to 100K, baby. That's what I'm saying, man. But this is why you got... It's, it's being... A taker instead of a, a producer versus a taker. You, if you're a creator, you are going to, I think, really win in life. And you, I mean, you're the business owner, the the person that's providing value is going to have in a better life than people who just want to take or want to be provided for. You know, so it's it's that it's um it's that sort of thing and stuff. And you know what? And you know what? We really want in crypto. At the end of the day, we just want. Okay, what do I have to sign to make a crypto company? Cool. Cool. Can I take money from people? Yeah. The, the, the reason they're scared is because they, 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 they have they put the, the SEC has put these arbitrary bullshit rules for accredited investors, and basically means what that what, what it says is like pe people with people uh, regular people who watch YouTube and make fifty thousand dollars a year or make a hundred thousand dollars a year are too retarded to figure out where they can put their money. It's okay for them to spend all their money on liquor and shit, or drugs or cocaine or whatever the fuck they spend their hookers or fucking OnlyFans, but investing money for their future no 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 don't do that how dare you make your own fucking decision all they have to do all you have to do is this these are the rules sign this you make a company here in the united states boom done you you can you can um get a certain amount of money maybe they put we put limits on it and stuff how much you can raise boom 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 done it can be family friends and then other other people from your from your social networks done from there and uh you do have to provide you do have to work at the business and stuff if you're not providing business you can get in trouble and stuff just a couple of those th arbitrary rules done and let them go half of them are, more than half are going to fail but the, this is how this is regular business and then what will happen is we'll get the amount of growth we're going to have in this industry in the United States and in most countries is insane you do put a couple limits at the top end, but the thing is that they don't want they they only they only want accredited investors to be able to money because basically we're only like what they're doing is that they are hoarding up all the opportunities. So basically, what they're doing is like, oh no, if, if, if like the real reason is, oh fuck, if all these plebs could actually invest in this, like I'm not that much smarter than the right than the plebs and stuff. If we let the plebs invest in the stuff we're investing into, we'll have competition. We'll be able to, we, we won't be special anymore. It'll be harder for us to stay rich or be as rich because there's other people competing against us. So what we do is we put these we put these licensing laws, or we put these fucking arbitrary rules right here, so they cannot invest in these things. And then from there we stay. It's easier for us to stay rich and keep them down, subjugated. That's the real reason. Fuck the SEC. This is a small amount of content. So when you see Sarandos and people like that, they're smart enough to realize this is the minority of a minority of a minority. I, I know trans people that didn't care at all. I know some of them that love Chappelle special. I know some of them that said I had no issue with the trans stuff, but I, I didn't think it was that funny. I, and then I, 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 I know obviously because I'm plugged into the world, know people that were very upset about it, but it's not everybody but the problem is the way it's presented is that it is. Well, the I mean, we could we could do this. We I know I know you got other places to be. The media is laser focused on everything that happens on Twitter. So those four thousand people in and of themselves may not be that many people, but then the amplification because like what is the media doing with the news? Mostly like things that start on Twitter. Well, it's like the media is like any, anybody else, right? They shipped a bunch of jobs in the 90s, manufacturing jobs out of the country. 
And, you know, the media is also losing work, right? The media is losing eyeballs. They're losing revenue streams every day. Like a lot of people that made money in the traditional media landscape are Substack. struggling. They're struggling to do it now. Right. You know? And that's why you should join Substack. They, yeah, that's why I will join Substack. You should be part of he that got, revolution. In fairness to him, uh, the CEO of Substack, he got back to me and said, we do have a money offer. Um, <laughs> but after, after your it's, not, it's not to buy you but we do have an interesting thing. So I'm going to talk to him again. Right. To, to, to buy our show, it costs a lot of money. Right. Is this real business or fake business? No, this is, well, we'll see. It's on him. I didn't know they wanted to host podcast. They want to do video with you? Yeah, they want to and, do it all. And, and I'm going to speak to one more thing right here because uh, I think the this, this show is pretty much over. You, you t take full screen me. So um, there, there's one thing I really want to talk about right here. Like, And um, we just had someone just say it right here, like, Karin said, your journals in New York um, and Cali are addicted to Twitter, right? But it, it, that reminded me of something like journalists and a lot of guys in the white-collar industry were really making fun of blue-collar guys when the recession happened. And when middle America got gutted out, when they sent all the manufacturing from the from the 70s all the way to the 90s to China. And they were like, ha, ha, ha. And then the, all these areas were addicted and stuff. No one gave a fuck about these people in the, in the middle of America, the heartland and stuff. The you know the Bible Belt and stuff like that. Well, now it's gonna it's coming to them, and a lot of people in the on the right, the middle, and the middle parts of America and stuff are gonna be laughing at them because there's a lot of people on the left, uh, these technocrats. They're going to get, they're gonna get rugged. They're gonna start the rugging's happening for a lot of the tech sector over here in the United States and worldwide. But a lot of these kind of these lefty fucks are going to get uh, rugged and stuff, and a lot of people are going to laugh at them. And look, if you saw the Chappelle, the Chappelle special, right? There, um, he made a really, it's really, it's kind of a dark joke and stuff. Where, like, you know, basically, like, like the black community was addicted to to crack or stuff because you know, shout out to Reagan who did that. But um, who, you know, they they, uh, they got uh, the African community on purpose addicted to crack. And then put all these racist laws, and then started jailing them. And he's like, "Do better, just say no, right?" And then white America started getting addicted to um, basically um, opioids and uh, fentanyl and stuff like that. And then, you know, you know, Chappelle basically says, "Well, just say no." It, you know, it's the same sort of thing. So you're going to start seeing a lot of people on the right in the middle and stuff of middle America starting to kind of laugh. Like a lot of the blue collar guys are going to start laughing at the white collar guys because they're about to get gutted. Um, you can't even with AI. You're, you can't get rid of the, a lot of these physical jobs. So a lot of the, shout out to all my blue collar boys. They're gonna start making millies, son, real millies. <sighs> Nancy Reagan was talking to a fucking astro astrologist about what to do. Facts. Look it up. Weird history. Now, before we end this beautiful, beautiful show, man, I want to show you guys something, man. It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be correct and stuff if I didn't mention this Gary Gensler son of a bitch, man. Full screen me. Gary Gensler, deservingly so, got lambasted on Capitol Hill, man. And let's react to him just getting grilled. I think it's going to be really funny. Fuck Gary Gensler, man. Punk-ass bitch. That will allow us to get through as many as possible, sir. From your perspective, is it more difficult now for the digital asset industry to access financial products and services in the United States than it was, say, two years ago? So is it easier two years ago to, to do stuff in finance or have you made it harder in the past two years? The honorable, get the fuck out of here, honorable Gary Gensler, loser. Now for the digital asset industry to access financial products and services in the United States than it was, say, two years ago.
Uh, <laughs> sir, I, I, I'm not running one of those businesses. If they came into compliance, I think uh, Reclaiming my time. The answer, sir, is yes. Do you think you and the SEC have had a role to play in that? I think we have a role to protect the American investor and the capital markets and the- Reclaiming my time, sir. You have played Woo! an obvious role in that. During your tenure at the SEC, how many rules has the SEC finalized that actually accommodate the existing regulatory framework and are specifically to the digital ind asset industry so the crypto market can come into compliance? It's our rule books that are on the books for years, so we have not finalized any new rule so basically, since he's been in office, he has done fucking nothing but filibuster and keep the crypto industry in, in this gray zone and stuff like that and has stifled innovation. You even got Coinbase. Coinbase is now talking about relocating outside of the United States now. Our biggest crypto company on the equities market is talking about leaving. It's like Amazon saying, we're, we're, we're going to move all our headquarters, everything off of the United States. We're, moving, we're, moving, we're going straight to Europe. Or we're going to China. Crazy. Specifically with regard to crypto, we've proposed some things in best execution. We've also... Uh, Sir, reclaiming my time, the answer is zero. <laughs> and how many enforcement actions has the SEC levied against digital asset companies during your tenure, sir? I think it's probably 40 or 50. The answer, sir, is about 55. My understanding is that the biggest crypto failure in history is probably FTX at $9 billion. Were you the chairman of the SEC when FTX collapsed? Yes. And how many times did you meet with FTX prior to their collapse? All the times. All of them, bros. <laughs> he basically, Epstein Island was visiting them. And, like, it's insane how much he was visiting them and stuff and like hugging them and stuff. And a lot of people on both sides, man. <sighs> what a clown. Were you the chairman of the SEC when FTX collapsed? Yes. And how many times did you meet with FTX prior to their collapse? I think my public record shows two. You met it with FTX at least twice. And arguably, the second biggest crypto failure in history was Terra Luna. Who was the chairman of the SEC when Terra Luna collapsed, sir? We had brought... Uh... You were, sir, reclaiming my time. You were. There are five members on the commission. Do you believe your speeches and interviews are to serve as the official position of the SEC? There, uh, I can only speak for myself when I'm speaking. Again, sir, in a statement on the SEC website, you are quoted saying, the Kraken staking as a service enforcement action should make clear to the marketplace that staking as a service providers must register. But again, you haven't provided any rules for how that can be done. I must remind you, your public statements are not regulations. It's not responsible to expect the American people to assume your statements are a substitute for rules. Do you agree with this statement regarding the digital asset industry? The SEC needs additional congressional authorities to prevent transactions, products, and platforms from falling between the regulatory cracks. I think that it's a non largely non-compliant field. And Sir, again, I, I asked you to comply with my uh, questions, and I'm asking you if you agree with that quote. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm quoting you from an August 3rd, 2021 article where you, uh, and I believe you told uh, Congressman Hill earlier that you need congressional authority to regulate stablecoins, and stablecoins happen to be a significant percentage of the crypto market. So the question is, when were you telling the truth? To Mr. Hill or to me? 
Uh, you've got to start answering these questions in a more uh, transparent manner, sir. Does it concern you, by the way, that your approach to the digital asset industry is actually driving this industry out of the United States? Woo! Trying to drive it to compliance, and if they're not compliant... Drive it to compliance. Get the fuck out of here. Just getting, just getting cock-slapped. That's all he's doing right now. It's it, it is like what this man has done to this industry and is is it's insane. Like now, I will say one thing, like the FTX shit, totally on him. And honestly, he knew something was up already. Like there's and he said officially met two times. There's there's pictures of him. There's there's like he may have met like four times with those guys and stuff. And it's it's insane too. Like if you actually look, Gary Gensler, he got his job because Sam's, no, I'm sorry, Sam's father-in-law. Was basically the head of that, um, the head of the, uh, what's called Stanford at the um, uh, the head of the Stanford for the uh, for the uh, for the, uh, the economy's office, and he basically gave him his job. So the reason that he was at the head of uh, I think Stanford uh, Stanford in terms of the economics uh, side of the of, of the school and stuff, and the, from there he got a job. So one of the reasons he even got the job is because he was put in the position. Of the of the of the head of the faculty or something like that. it's, uh, it's been if you go on, if you go on my YouTube channel we we gone through it. it's been a minute and stuff uh, forgive me and stuff but um, if you it's it's called um, FTX sex scandal <laughs> it's called the video and stuff um, me Rolo and and uh, Charlie re, uh, reacted to all this stuff that's going on and stuff it's it's literally insane like Gary Gensler got his job because of Sam and Sam's girlfriend's parents. This guy is a fucking clown. He deserves ever he deserves to be fired and put like literally put in jail. Scumbag fuck. Really. It, it it's and like it's true. Most I mean what's going on is a lot of other I mean what's going on is a lot of congressmen are just are starting to realize like, oh my god, we are literally destroying the next phase of the of the tech sector. And we're driving out innovation. It's 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 insane. There's the only, the only people in America who have any protections are just like miners. And there's bare, there's only Bitcoin miners now. You, you can't even Ethereum mine anymore. So like it's even the mining industry is a dying industry to the digital asset industry is actually driving this industry out of the United States? We're trying to drive it to compliance, and if they're not complying with the laws, then they shouldn't be offering their products. Reclaiming my time. Uh, Madam Chair, I would like to enter into the record this Wall Street Journal article from April 14th, 2023, detailing China's ploy to open its banking system to crypto firms in an effort to seize an opportunity created by our hostile regulatory environment, Ooh. which, uh, Mr. Cherry, you're a big With, part of. Without it. So what he just said right there was that thanks to Gary Gensler, we've we've now we've now put the United States in such a terrible position in, in the crypto market. Instead of dominating it, we've now allowed a wave of we've now allowed a competitor of ours to put things in place to put America on the back on the back foot. The, do you know how serious that is? All cryptos are priced in dollars, but what's going on right now, instead of solidifying this entire industry, what's the U.S.-led industry, we've now allowed other entities to start buying up assets and, and bastardizing it to the point where we could not be, we, we could be not the leaders in it. We, we could end up being like followers or even subjugated by it and stuff, and they have to apply to Chinese rules or European rules instead of American rules on Amer for Americans. This is, this is such, it, it is like, Unbelievable the amount of damage this guy has done to America. It's insane. Objection. Chair Gensler, FTX was domiciled abroad and so is Binance, yet American consumers still had access to both. You can't really think that pushing this industry abroad is going to protect American consumers when it hasn't several times in the past 
on your watch. You say the crypto market is rife with non-compliance. However, existing SEC rules make no sense for blockchain-based companies and following them would actually kill these businesses. Your regulatory style lacks flexibility and nuance, and as a result, you've been an incompetent cop on the beat, doing nothing to protect everyday Americans and pushing American firms into the hands of the CCP. Your intention to work against SEC mission and put American investors in harm's way has been made very apparent, sir. It's been a year and a half since you've appeared before this committee. You need to answer to Congress about the issues that you've had with the SEC staff union, the work environment you've cultivated at the SEC that's led to hemorrhaging of senior staff, the intellectual inconsistency of your regulatory treatment towards Bitcoin spot ETFs, and your politicization of capital formation opportunities time your expired. treatment of certain specs. And that's just to name a few. Woo! Cooking with gasoline, ladies and gentlemen. Full screaming, man. Mr. Emmett, thank you for that. That was that was beautiful. This man deserved to be roasted. He needs to be fired. He needs to be prosecuted. And he even needs to be put into jail. I'm telling you, if, if, if between two devils, the United States and in the, in the, in China, you're better off with the United States. I'm telling you that. Do you want it, like? Do you want China? You want China light. And I'm telling you, it's not. It's it's. Two dirty, two dirty shirts, but you will go with the cleanest. I'm telling you, he has pushed this industry more towards China and, and our enemies than anything else and stuff. This is bad. This is very, very bad. But if you want to protect yourself, share my screen for a second. Crypto Mindset Quarter 2 is coming out. And, and like... Leave your best email address here, but if I'm being really for real with me, like take the course. We're gonna show you ways to protect yourself against all the stuff that's going on, whether Gary Gensler, like whatever ends up happening with that asshole. Um, we are gonna protect ourselves, we're gonna protect our money, we're gonna protect our purchasing power because because of the positions they put us into, they're gonna be print every country, including China, is gonna be printing trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of their currency. And this is gonna cause inflation of assets. These pe people who have money are going to move their money into assets because what are you going to do? Just let you hold it all in dollars and let you get inflated away? What are you, crazy? So get into the best asset class on this planet. Join Crypto Mindset Quarter 2. And with that, you guys, I'm out. Thank you. God bless. I'll see you guys here Thursday at 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm streaming with, um, I'm streaming with Rolo Tomasi. And uh, thank you so much, man. Um, I hope I was able to help you guys out and teach you guys something. And um, later.